All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Patrick freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. The Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios. My guys, Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 114 in full swing, full motion. It is a great week to be talking sports. It is right in the heart of the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, we had the first round last night. Last night is, and this is Friday while we're recording this, so whenever you're hearing this, The second round is just about to get going. Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, is on the stage about to announce the 33rd pick uh, in the draft, which is owned by the Jacksonville Jaguars. So we're going to stay up to date as we do this show. We're not going to sit here and pinpoint every single uh, pick, but we're waiting in anticipation for one team in particular as they pick at the 58th and 63rd spot tonight, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of you that are listening to this, that is your team, just like it is ours here at the Spoken Podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit about that before and after the draft pick. Those draft picks actually take place. Really, really excited to talk about that and break that down on this show, guys. But we always do before we start and get into things. We want to thank all the listening audience that have been with us, that has stuck through the thick and thin. I feel like because Eddie and I are both thick, it's been mostly thick over here rather than thin. I mean, Trevor's more on the thinner side. But yeah, we yeah we definitely, we definitely made it thick. Yeah. <laughs> not thin, bro. Yeah. You're 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 on the you're on that uh, side where you know if he was wearing women pants, I would it would make sense. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like like lip service. You know those Saturday uh, nights. I totally date him. <laughs> <laughs> you have no business in shorts. <laughs> so we uh man, we've had a a long week actually. We just started a new show uh, with Kansas City Public Network. Our uh, our host network, if you will, uh, we decided to uh, start a show that I'm kind of doing as a solo project called Freelancing. We actually just aired the first edition just a, l- a couple of hours ago. Uh, definitely hope you guys enjoy that because it's basically just how I used to start the shows with me just ranting and ranting and ranting. Now we're kind of transitioning that and putting that into a separate segment, a separate entity, and I really love that. But we started this thing together. We're going to keep this thing going together, and I want to talk about some just uh, initial takeaways from the first round and what we saw. Eddie, you and I were at Taps on Main in the KCPN studios with uh, Midwest Mics. We were teamed up with uh, Gary from uh, Midwest Mics, and we were going against the Tailgate podcast uh, with Duncan, Aaron, and Ty. And uh, needless to say, they beat us pretty soundly. I mean, we, we made it a fight, you know, well, in, in the draft a, game. We kind of made a comeback. It was only 10 point. 10 it, point. Was, it, it was our stupid-ass challenges, man. They didn't, they didn't work out for us. But nevertheless... The, the, the positive in all of it, regardless of if we took a win or loss, is that we raised money in charity. Uh, 87 and running, if I'm not mistaken, is, is the Tailgate Podcast uh, charity of choice. That all the proceeds that we raised last night while doing this uh, second annual KCPN-hosted NFL draft game, all that money went to uh, charities of, a cho- of our choices. And we are really glad to be a part of that. And uh, we look forward to more of those opportunities with our uh, KCP and family and community because I we just got we just got so many things going on and it was a blast last night. Now we're here tonight 
and uh, we got so much more in store for you guys, so stay tuned. But just my my initial reaction to the first round, uh, I'll be honest with you guys, I was expecting Calamity and Chaos, and we got a little taste of it here and there, but overall, I feel as if a lot of these teams, and I don't want to say all teams because we, we still got to talk about the Broncos and Raiders, and I can't wait to unpack that, but most of these teams, I believe, really set themselves up for success. In particular, and I'm going to start right here because I feel like we all we all knew who the first two picks were. We, I've always been saying the draft starts at three, where the 49ers were. Who are they going to take? Are they actually going to convince themselves to take Kirk Cousins, Light, and Mac Jones? Are they really going to go that route? I was very concerned for the 49ers. Not that I have any horse in that race, but I felt like the the, the Shanahan era could really ignite itself into, into becoming something special on the NFC side considering the fact they went to a damn Super Bowl with Jimmy G as their as their quarterback, I felt like they could really uh, traject themselves into, into a, a whole different stratosphere if they go and take a quarterback that I believe in the most in all these quarterbacks, and that is Trey Lance from North Dakota State. I truly believe in this kid. Yes, we share a name, and yes, that is something that I'm in par, you know, partial to, but if you look at this guy's skill set, and we've talked about this off-air mostly, you look at him, and I'm not I'm not one of those people that likes comparing people to Patrick Mahomes because I think that's unfair to the player that you're comparing Mahomes to because no one is Mahomes. They don't replicate gods. And so what I think that you have to do now is you have to look at the guys that are coming in the next crop and saying, okay, who's the next guy that can be just the, the next guy better than Patrick Mahomes? That's what you have to start looking at. I believe Trey Lance is that type of quarterback. I well, think he has that type of talent. I think he has those types of capabilities. And with Shanahan's genius – Bearing in mind that Shanahan relinquishes a little control and allows his playmaking quarterback now, Trey Lance, to make plays, you're looking at a team that has a loaded roster with now one of the more talented quarterbacks in the league, albeit very young and experienced. But once he takes the reins, I believe we're going to see a Mahomes-like type of revolution with him on the NFC side of things because I believe in this kid that much. I think he's going to be the one, even considering Trevor Lawrence. The issues with Trevor Lawrence, and we all knew he was going number one, some of these things are outside of these guys' control. We know that a lot of times success is predicated on where you land, what franchise. Well, not only did Trevor Lawrence go to a franchise that is infamous for lack of success, but he's he has hitched his wagon to a head coach in Urban Meyer who has never coached a single game at the NFL level, who also has commitment issues as a coach in himself at the college level. He was very good. He's an incredible recruiter. He, knew, he knows how to develop quarterbacks. So there is some positive there. But there is just as much to prove on Urban Meyer's side as there is Trevor Lawrence's, which is why I'm halting a little bit with Trevor Lawrence being the being the guy that, that we remember in this draft class as the guy. Because we all know, in every draft class, there's always a bust. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, I think the bust of this draft class, as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, is going to be Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson not only is the least inexperienced, he's the least experienced of these of these guys. He is very talented. He's very to fun. Yeah. To start too. But he also, and again, we talk about where you land. Yeah. He landed in one of the worst position or worst franchises for a quarterback to go to. You can't name me a single quarterback in the history of the Jets that has been a top tier quarterback. Do you guys realize the last four thousand yard quarterback, four thousand yard quarterback they've had for a single season was Joe Namath in nineteen sixty seven. That's how long it's been for the Jets to even have a 4,000-yard passer. So the Jets have never developed quarterbacks, never been able to get guys at the right time because they got Brett Favre late in his career when he was just completely washed. And then you look at guys like uh, you know Mark Sanchez, who was just right in the coattails of a great defense of Rex Ryan. Yeah. You know those are the those are the kinds of highlights they've had over the last few decades. So Zach Wilson, although again is talented, 
He went to the worst position possible, in my opinion. He's an accurate quarterback. He's an accurate quarterback, but the, like I said, the inexperience, he's a very small quarterback also. I just think there's too much against him. I'm going to pick Zach Wilson as the bust, and I'm saying Trey Lance is going to be the bell of the ball from this quarterback class. Trevor, Eddie, what are your thoughts? So you think Trey Lance is going to be the, the – you think he's going to be, as far as the most – the most talented in this. Because I don't think he's the best quarterback in this draft. I think that's Trevor Lawrence. I think it's Trevor Lawrence, period. Obviously, he's not in the better position. He's on the Niners, which is a win-now roster. Um, but you do think Trey Lance is going to have the most success out of these guys? Yeah, like, I, I, I actually think – Career-wise? No, I actually I'm, – I'm doubling that. I think it's both. I think I Trey Lance – I think No, I think Trey Lance has the highest ceiling of all these quarterbacks, including Trevor Lawrence. The only difference is, mm-hmm. is that a lot of times – like it, it, it is, and I hate I hate making the comparison of Patrick Mahomes, but I have to because it's what happened with Patrick Mahomes in his draft in 2017. I think he plays is that like Patrick, Patrick – no, Patrick Mahomes we, – we, we can all look back and say Patrick Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in that draft, right? In 2017, right? Yeah. But he went 10th. Because of the fact that people said, well, he didn't play any against great competition, and he didn't win anything. And then you saw other quarterbacks ahead of him that people thought were going to go ahead of him because of the fact that they proved more at the college level. That's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is extremely you talented. Think, you think Trevor Lawrence is better, though, talent-wise, right? No, I don't. I think Trey, I think Trey Lance is the most quarter, most talented quarterback in I this draft. Okay. I definitely do. Based on <sighs> Trevor Lawrence put up much better numbers. And a much tougher competition, yeah. and a bit much bigger school. What do you base your whole entire okay, team so on? I, I can break that down. I've, so seen, I've seen Trey Lance's film. He's 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 fucking he's good. He's tall. Yes. He's strong. Yes. He's semi mobile. I don't. I just don't understand what he does that Fair Trevor enough. Lawrence can't. Okay, do. so what Trey Lance does, unlike any other quarterback, and I've i verified this with NFL scouts. I've against ever, lesser competition. Let's make that very clear. Okay, so fair enough. Which is much he is school. he is by far the smartest quarterback in this draft class. Let me tell you why. He's the only quarterback in this draft class that picks up picks up blitz reads and blitz packages. No other quarterback does that. He's also the only quarterback in this draft class that went an entire season without throwing an interception. You so he's also Trevor the most Lawrence, accurate. I don't think Trevor Lawrence can pick up blitz. He doesn't pick up blitz packages. That's that's actually a thing. You, you, if you watch the film of Trey Lance, the, anybody that any scout that watches his film notifies that as to why he went Can so high despite playing in a, in a mid-major school. If the Niners had the first pick, you think they're taking Trey Lance? I think they take Trevor Lawrence just because of the fact that, again, there's the height. He's better. There's, <laughs> no, again, guys. We why get, would you take the lesser quarterback? Okay, why did Mitchell Trubisky go before Patrick Mahomes? Because the Bears are retarded, bro. I don't know what else to tell you. That's a stupid ass pick. And the Jaguars are intelligent. That's bad analysis. And then the Jaguars are intelligent, so they're no. dumb because they drafted Trevor. No, Lawrence. I did, guys. I'm making an. I'm making a point. Uh, as to, I'm giving. What? A, I'm not comparing Trevor Lawrence to Mitchell Trubisky right now. That's not what I'm. Doing. So anyway, so let's get to your guys' thoughts. Who who I do you guys have? I was really trying to understand your analysis of how you think he's better than Trevor Lawrence, but either way, I mean, I, I, I think I, I honestly, I think Trey Lance has a bigger chance of, of being a bust from where he went compared to what his resume actually is. His resume is not that impressive in college. He hasn't really done much. He hasn't really – I mean, his tape so far in his first couple of years in college were okay. Not great. I think he has really good intangibles, and he could shine in the league, but he's also one of those guys that can be an absolute bust and become a Joe Flacco. I think that's definitely in his, in his realm of reality that could be a possible outcome. I'm not saying that. I'm not crapping on him. I think he's a good, a good player. I think he's got a lot of promise. I think he, out of all quarterbacks – Landed in the best spot possible in a win now situation if he's going to be a day one starter because not all these guys are going to start day one at least the way it looks. Um, I love Atlanta picking Pitts, Kyle Pitts. The only thing is I, I, who I love that that was one of my outside of the quarterbacks who can we can talk about. He was my favorite player in this draft. Um, I think he's the future of tight ends in the league. He's a smaller guy, more compact, but he's 
he's he's you know he's the Travis Kelsey type esque in the future of tight end position to kind of further that evolution of the tight end position, which I'm super excited to see him. That's a fun offense to be in, but we don't know who's going to be the quarterback in the next after the next couple of years when Matt Ryan's out. Matt Ryan's definitely declining at this point, um, so I don't know how he's going to really pan out. At least for these first couple of years in his career, I think he'll put up some numbers, but. I think he's going to need a quarterback to grow with. So I, I do think maybe Atlanta might still grab another quarterback here, possibly to, you know, see if they can find a guy to um, in the later rounds maybe. Um, hey, man, Cincinnati, you know, bringing Jamar to, 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 to you know, reunite him with, with Burrow was a cool move. That was cool. So I'm excited to see. I think that Cincy offense is going to be pretty, pretty electric this year. I think they were already getting that way last season. So I think that's going to be something really fun to look forward to. Uh, that reunited uh, of those two players together. So that chemistry immediately is going to be there, which should be fun to watch and see Joe Burrow come back from that injury. I think it'll be a fun story to watch. And I think Bengals are a team to watch, period, this season. Um, yeah, those were kind of – I just want to go in and touch on those quarterbacks, obviously. But, uh, um, you know, Patrick Sertain, second, getting drafted was cool. Uh, the Denver Broncos, man, that's a loaded defensive roster. That's a loaded roster entirely. They're just kind of a quarterback away from. Being I think the Broncos fucked up. I think that, that, that's a very good roster yeah. over there. Man. They, they always have good defenses. Well, Mike yeah. Silver, Mike Silver came out today and literally explained the Broncos. He confirmed it. The Broncos really liked Justin Fields, and they still passed up on him. So now they're now they're oh, we, now they're we, going we can into get the season. Fields. That was my I, favorite quarterback. I, right, and so my point is, Justin Fields literally sitting there. You have a chance of getting a potential franchise-changing quarterback, yeah. and you decide to go and take a cornerback. I understand. I like Sertan. Sertan is going to be. A, I think he's going to be a stud. Is he a guy that's going to help you beat the Chiefs this year? No, oh, no he's not. I, think, I, I still think. I still think the Broncos are in the, the Aaron Rodgers. Yes, and I know the Packers came out today and said that they're not trading Aaron Rodgers. He's getting traded. This he's is a clusterfuck, man. He's like, not going to the Broncos. I can explain he, that. Aaron Rodgers came out himself and yeah. said that he's not backing down from that shit. He's not going to try to eat crow and go back on his word. Hundred percent agree. Made it clear. He came out. and He said he doesn't want to be back. Yeah, that, bur- that bridge is burned. That bridge is burned. Right. So I, I think if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, that is a legitimate contender. I truly do. And I know it's the Broncos. I know we're sitting here at Chiefs fans, and that's not something fun you want to say. But I think they're immediately the second-best team in this division. Immediately. Um, but to, back to my to my last point of the draft, Justin Fields, in my mind, is in the best spot of all quarterbacks. I don't think he, – he, they're saying he might not start immediately because Andy Dalton supposedly is the starter right now. But – Let's be real. I, I know I said what I said about Andy Dalton being the starter and having success, and I said they'll win 10, 11 games with Andy Dalton. I think with the with the intangibles and the, the, oh, don't, the, don't the ability. We didn't forget. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. I think the Bears are very much well-suited to win now, and I think Justin Fields was the perfect guy to go to that system. I think him and Nagy, he's a perfect quarterback for Matt Nagy, and I can't believe he slipped that far, to be honest. I really don't think I, – I didn't expect him to slip that far. I thought he was going to go in the top five picks. Didn't happen. Uh, the Bears got their guy. I think he's truly the guy for the future for the Bears. I love his talent. I love his skill set. He's good for the, today's football. He's very mobile, very smart. Um, is good at throwing to the sticks when he when he's his escapability. He's good at looking downfield and continuing to make plays downfield while he's on the run. <clears throat> True elite athlete. Um, obviously, played high competition in Ohio, Ohio State. Um, you know, performed big time in big time games. I mean, what, what, what much more can you ask for from a, from a prospect heading into the league to be your future? I, mean, I think Matt Nagy definitely got his guy. I'm excited. That's that's my favorite quarterback in the draft. I know I think Trevor Lawrence is the best in the draft, but he was my, my favorite guy coming into the draft. I love his personality. I love him just as a prospect, and I love that he landed on the Bears. That's going to be the team I'm rooting for in the NFC this year. The, the Bears, I was confused with a little bit with that pick because 
they guaranteed Andy Dalton the starting job. They didn't expect him to slip. I don't think. I don't think they expected him to slip. That, that, you can't take those. But, you can't take those types of tweets right. and things like that. Right. You have to take it at face value. You have to understand that they have to throw support at the guy they just signed him back. And that was, what, a month and a half ago when they signed Andy Dalton? You have to understand that in that time, he is their quarterback one. That doesn't mean he's going to be like that forever. I mean, we see it in during regular seasons when a quarterback struggles, what happens? They get removed. If Andy Dalton, and I guarantee you this is the pitch that the Chicago Bears are going to have this year. Well, we're going to have a competition. And then Justin Fields is going to go out there and play better than Andy Dalton. And I believe they gave Justin Fields the starting job week one. Really? That is the right. This is why. Here's why. We talked about this is why I felt Russell Wilson was a strong candidate for the Bears. Not just because of the fit. Because of the fact that Matt Nagy and Pace, their GM, have to do right this year or they're gone. All you got to do is wait for Andy Dalton to get a concussion, dude. That's all you got to do. The point, though, is if you you start the season with Andy Dalton, you start off, you know, one and three. Yeah. Matt Nagy is already—he's already on the hot seat. So then you what? You're trying to throw Justin Fields in there to save your season. Then you go yeah. what seven and you go seven and ten, and you're fired anyway. Yeah. You got to start the season off with the guy you just traded up eight spots for. What if go it get him. Work? What if it? What, what if it goes zero and four? This is the same thing I'm talking about though, because then you have the back, you have the fallback plan. Because let's say they go and start Justin Fields week one and they struggle. The excuse is already built in. We, saw, we have we a saw young Miami rookie Dolphins. quarterback that we're developing. Give him time. Yeah, we saw Miami and then Dolphins the, do and then the franchise buys into that more than hey, we just gave up to Andy Dalton. We just wasted that month of the season. Let's throw Justin Fields in now. The franchise is like fuck you. You're all gone. We're starting over with Justin Fields with a new coaching staff. I think the Bears, their best plan, course of action to maintain self-preservation here is to start with the guy you just spent th- three first-round picks on, essentially to get. You got to go out there and do it. I think that's the way they do it. I believe in Justin Fields as well. I think he did land on a really good team. Currently, I think they're a good team, not a great team, a good team, potentially playoff team. We'll break that down as the months go by. I love it. But I, I, I can't, guys. I can't stress it enough. I, I there's something about Trey Lance. Watching his film, watching the way his composure, his mental game, the aspect well, of his the, mental game. And the Shanahan offense, too. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I really believe, guys, that we could see something special with the San Francisco 49ers for the next several years, man. I think Trey Lance has it. Trevor Lawrence has been the the, the without question pick. I think he's the most prime Everybody, for this. He is. To start. I don't want to downplay. I don't want to sit here and make a case for Trey Lance while simultaneously discrediting what Trevor does because Trevor Lawrence is incredible. Trevor Lawrence would have been the first over pick last last season over Joe Burrow. So that's the thing, guys, is that Trevor Lawrence, I think, has the capabilities. To, to repeat what I said, though, it's where he landed. The Jaguars. I don't believe in the Jaguars. I don't believe in Urban Meyer. And it comes down to that a lot of times. Patrick Mahomes would have still been great had he landed with the fucking Bengals himself. How good were the Colts before Peyton Manning got there? They were terrible. Yeah. But they also had a six-time uh, uh, GM of the year, Bill Bullion. I'm, I'm just saying, man. This is there, it. Only takes that's pretty high praise though to be calling Trevor Lawrence Peyton he's, Manning already. He's, dude, he's as far as prospects goes, one of the highest rated prospects of all time. Maybe the highest rated prospect of all time. So I mean, if praise mm-hmm. is praise. I'm not the only one saying it. You know, what I mean, this is. I'm just saying. Trevor, I think Trevor Lawrence even is the with, but, okay, truth. but to but to that point, it took Peyton Manning three seasons yeah, to get the playoffs for a couple of years. He yeah, he threw good. 29 interceptions yeah, his yeah. first season. So again. The Colts have been a redemptive franchise because before Peyton Manning, they were bad. But also in the early 90s and in the 60s and 70s, they were very successful. I just think the evolution of athletes, I think quarterbacks are so much more ready nowadays to jump in and start in the NFL now because the game is fast like college. The NFL used to be slower but, but harder to keep up with in a weird way. Because college football has always been so fast and high-paced and, and energetic. 
the NFL has kind of adapted, kind of become that same way as college. That's why I think a lot of these guys are having early success. The, the, the Justin Herbert to the world yeah. that come in and flourish right away. But I think Trevor Lawrence. There's not a standardized. There's not a standardized pro style offense yeah. too in the NFL. Now they're adapting. Well, it's, like you yeah. said, they're bringing the speed of the college game first, adapting yeah. their offenses to the player as opposed to the player to the offense or defense for that matter. So that yes, you're right. There is an evolution to the game, and that's why you're starting to see fewer busts. You know, guys that are more successful at a more common rate. My whole point, though, is I think there's always a bust in the draft. There's always going to be a bust. I don't believe Justin Fields is going to be a bust. I, I definitely don't believe Trey Lance is going to be a bust. <laughs> no, I can't. If he busts in San Fran, that's bust. That's bust. I definitely don't think Trey Lance is going to be a bust. No. I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a bust. But, again, success is going to have to follow him. He's not used to failure. In high school, he was the best player in the world at his level. College, best player in the world at his level. So in football, he's going some sta- – in the NFL, he's dropping substantially to one of the worst franchises historically. Can he rebuild them? And, again, coaching matters. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes' development flourished so much quicker and expedited so much quicker because he had Andy Reid. That helps things. Tom Brady had the success because he was paired with Bill Belichick and cameras. And so then you're talking about Trevor Lawrence being teamed up with an inexperienced head coach. I have a lot of worries and concerns about that. I'm hoping it. I hope it pans out for him. I love Trevor Lawrence. I love him. See, there's the he's battle got a, here. He's got a strong Trevor than likes Trey Lance. Trevor. Lance likes Lance. This uh, this kind of works I out. Like Mac Jones. <laughs> and that's actually what I wanted. To, I wanted to finish off the segment Mac with Mac is the whole Jones. Mac Jones situation. He's perfect. The, the 49ers did the right thing by avoiding him. Like I said, he's Kirk Cousins light. I think yeah. he is the most. He looks like the, you know when you do a creative player on like Madden. Yeah. And that's it's the first like guy you get. That's Mac Jones. Yeah. And then like when Mac, you get Dad, when you build Jones. yeah when you build attributes, you start to get Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what Mac Jones is. He's the standard body of a player you're about to start up with in Madden. And so I understand why the Patriots took him. I still don't think it's going to be great though. To, to try to recreate the magic. Now, obviously, Bill Belichick has a type. I think he's he likes those he's basic. A vanilla, yeah. He's a vanilla. He's, as I'm saying, he's perfect for the Patriots. A quarterback that's not going to press the issue, not going to be overly He'll go athletic. through his reads and make the dunk, deep yeah. the dunk pass. Like, yes. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he has a type. But I think this also signifies something. That Bill Belichick. He's very accurate, though. I will say that. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if this is kind of Bill Belichick's way of like interpreting to us that he's not going to be coaching for very much longer. Because Mac Jones, know. to me, he, he's not he a believes, transcendent talent. And, and we all know something about Andy Reid, what we praise him about. He has his issues, but he adjusts with the times. Does he? 100% you know he does. never a transcendent talent? Tom Brady. Okay, but the point is, is that's that's history. So now, instead of, Belichick, no, hold on. instead of Belichick trying to adjust with the times and start going with more mobile-friendly quarterbacks like the NFL is, I understand he likes a zigzag. But eventually, you have to start catching up with the rest of the league because now look at it. For the last two seasons, the Patriots have failed. It's because of him being set in his ways. And if he doesn't change that and he tries to replicate history, it's not going to work out for I'm Bill Belichick. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. I think the last couple of years with Tom Brady, they failed because their roster was shit. Mm-hmm. They had, he had no weapons. They had Julian Edelman was his go-to number one receiver. Gronk was in and out, barely played the last couple of seasons. Their defense was falling apart. They had they had good defenses a couple of years. They, they had guys kind of – and then the, obviously the COVID year, they had a lot of opt-outs and them guys that – They had the number one defense in 2019 and the easiest schedule. Well, I'm saying, but it's, their defense was very good, but they were playing a shitty schedule, a very cake That's schedule. That's advantages. There's no, advantages. I mean, offensively, Brady had nobody, bro. He really, really didn't. I'll, I will give him that. He had nobody. You put any quarterback into that situation. I'm not even trying to bash Brady. I'm saying yeah. that the way that, that Belichick structures his team, yeah, he's it very, no longer he's, works. He's stubborn. He's stuck in his ways. We'll see if it works out for him. Matt Jones could work out. That could work. He's a smart quarterback. 
like I said, he's vanilla. He's he's not a shiny new toy. He's a used... how many of those? That's to push back to that though. How many of those quarterbacks are working right now in the NFL? Yeah, man. I you just, know, I just think I, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to push back on Belichick's ways. I think he knows what he's doing. I think he, he could he wins games, dude. He just does. I, I mean, I know Cam was a rough it was a rough one last year. They're saying it's still Cam's team. He's still the starter, which I do think Cam will start yeah. the season. Yes, um, I think they're best that way. I don't think I don't think Mac is ready to start day one, but. I'm not going to be the guy that comes out and talk talks shit on Belichick and says he can't get it done with Mac Jones. I've already done it, so I'll just keep doing it. I think it's possible. The, Jet, the Jets at 34 uh, just uh, drafted Elijah Moore. Yeah, dude. That's a great so that's, that's going to help their new Game uh, quarterback. Gave Zach a nice little weapon. In my mind, I thought he was the best receiver in the draft. Like, Elijah Moore is small. He is small. Yeah. but that's, 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 I, like that, I think that's the reason you were saying that he would fall in the draft. Yes. He's, I think he's 5'10". One hundred and seventy pounds. I'm that's not starting that's to work in today's league, though. That's 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 what that Tyreek Hill has changed the wide receiver position yeah. with that. You can't really use that anymore because Tyreek right. Hill. Well, a, I know he's a different breed. I was but. gonna say, yeah. First of all, he's a unicorn. Second of all, Tyreek Hill is a physical receiver too. He's big. Like well, I'm just saying, he's if, like if, if Prime Steve Smith was playing in today's league, he would be flourishing way more than he ever did. And that's Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown paved the way for guys like that too. So these smaller, undersized, skilled, uh, deadly receivers with the ball in their hands. Those that's kind of a, a new wave of the NFL. Yeah. I think that I think he's going to do good. I mean, obviously they need a quarterback that'll work. And then with uh, pick thirty-five, the Broncos took uh, running back Javante Williams. Man, that's that's actually good, that's, that's a good, good pick. pick. They need because they the, lost Lindsey. Yeah, Lindsay, yeah. The, Bron- the Broncos always have the uh, these profound running yeah, backs Melvin that Gordon's great running still, game. Obviously. They lost Philip Lindsey. Yeah, Melvin Gordon is on the back end he of his well career. Last year. Melvin Gordon is he though on, he's on the back end of his career though. He's 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 going to start declining. It's I, look and they have a good old to line. bring up the point though about the Broncos. You're, you're hitching. No, that's not happening. That's it's happening. not. No, you think he goes to NFC West because the Raiders and the Broncos are looking like the These are the two teams I know that no one's really talking about, but I think they're going to catch steam. I really do believe Washington football team not, and the Miami that. Dolphins are going to be the that. teams that ultimately get Aaron Rodgers. I think it's going to be one of those two teams because they're make ready to win. They're not playing in Mahomes' division. I mean, those are you, we can't sit here because Aaron Rodgers has a no trade clause. He has to sign off on where he goes. You can't. You can't tell me he's going to sign off at thir- almost almost 38 years old. I'm going to go to Patrick Mahomes' division with maybe the second or third best roster. Like, if the Broncos had the best roster in the AFC West. They do besides Chiefs. I, that's what I'm saying. But if they had the profound, like, all they're missing is a quarterback, then I would sit there and go. Sutton's back. Cortland Sutton's yes, a monster. But they have, they, a lot of their players are injury-prone. Melvin Gordon, no Noah Fant, like- Cortland Sutton, they're all injury-prone players. So there's a lot of question, and their offensive line is trash. This would be so, the most weapons he probably ever had in offense if he goes. Through. Absolutely, I agree. But they got to be healthy and available. Yeah. And his offensive line is that would be an awful offensive line. Really? Yes. They've lost two players this offseason. so they're gonna they got to get tackles. They, they haven't done anything with We've tackles seen in the draft. Doing some battle lines before though. But at a, at a prolonged age, I, again, that's a lot of things yeah, you, you have to sign go, up for. You don't want to go into your, your final days and imagine him with the Dolphins. Imagine oh, oh, with Washington yeah. football team, that I just, defense. I, I just don't know if the, the Packers are going to want to trade him within the NFC. I don't know if they're going to want to It depends that. on the package. If the, if the Washington football team comes out and says, we'll give you three first-round picks and a player, or like a couple thirds to mix in. That would be a good spot. I think the Packers would do it. Coach Rivera, that would yes. be, yeah, be a good At spot. this point, the, bur- the bridge is burned. Again, Rodgers wants to go to a place where he can contend day one. And also the biggest thing, coaching has always been a thing to Aaron Rodgers. He always clashed with Mike McCarthy, right? And Mike McCarthy's a decent head coach. You really think he's signed up for Vic Fangio? No. He would rather go to Ron Rivera or Brian Brian, Tor- Brian Flores. Those are two established head coaches in this league and divisions that are winnable. The NFC East and the AFC East are very winnable. The Bills are the only team in the AFC East right now that can truly, truly contend at this point. 
The, the Dolphins with Aaron Rodgers would win that division. Washington football team with Aaron Rodgers wins that division. I also think that what would be tempting to Aaron for Aaron Rodgers though is a place he can, he knows he can go and overrun the the the, the head coach. I think if he goes to Denver. Uh, I think if he goes to Denver, I think uh, he would be able to take over the kind of the, the power and reins of Vic Vangio. So he'd be able to run the offense. I think I think Vic, Vic Vangio would just let him take control of that offense. The idea, the concept of the Broncos getting Aaron Rodgers benefits the Broncos so much more than it does Aaron Rodgers. Like you really like compare the con- pros and cons for Aaron Rodgers again. You're, you're literally choosing to go to the division of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense just from a logic standpoint. And, and to, to your point about uh, the Packers and the situation, this is 100% on the Packers. Oh, yeah. This this relationship was doomed to no, fail the yeah. moment they trade. They didn't just go and get Jordan Love in the first round. They traded back into the first round to get him. So th- th- from that moment on, the Packers knew they screwed. And according to reports, their GM supposedly went rogue and said, you know what, I'm taking a quarterback. And just pissed the entire franchise off. It, it ruined the relationship right there. Aaron Rodgers, I know he's a prick. I know he can be, you know, a little tough sometimes. He's himself, man. I'm going to defend him to the death on this. Oh, yeah. Because he's given that franchise everything. He has filled so many gaps and covered so many holes for that franchise. He's in moments, but yeah. I mean, they are the Browns of the NFC without without Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre over the last 30 oh, years. Without a doubt. Straight yeah. up. They are not successful at all. I mean, think about it. With those two top ten quarterbacks of all time, they've won two Super Bowls. That's inexcusable. That's you can't put that on the quarterback. Yeah, that's because they don't know how to build around these exactly. quarterbacks, which is crazy. I mean, no free agent wants to go up there. Sixteen years, sixteen years with the Packers, they've never given him a wide receiver in the first round, not a single time. Devontae the Adams was a second round 2004 pick. Two thousand four was the last time they picked a wide receiver. Right? Two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yeah. And he wasn't. He, was, he wasn't even on the roster yet. Yeah, the last. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't even on the roster yet. Think about the insanity of that. that. 2005 is when he got drafted. Took over in 2008. So I I 100% believe this relationship is finally over. I know the Packers are coming out saying that, but I think, honestly, that's all strategy because what they're trying to do is up the ante. No, what they're trying to do is up the ante and tell these teams, hey, we're not trading them. Well, what if we give you an additional first-round pick? Okay, we'll take it. You know, it's all strategy. The Packers are are taking calls. They're figuring this out, and they're going to move on with Jordan Love. The the question I had for you earlier was what team would give – because you said three first-round picks. Like, what team would give three first-round picks for a, a 38-year-old quarterback? Washington football team. Win-now team. Miami Dolphins. Good defensive teams. Teams that are ready to win right now. If you put him on the Miami Dolphins, the AFC Championship oh. is the Chiefs-Miami Dolphins. You I, put him in Washington, that is an that. NFC Championship team. That, that's, that might be the best defense in the NFL right now, the Miami Dolphins. Those, those, those and not, again, three coaching. Think about the coaching. Ron Rivera. They have the picks. Too. Yes, Ron Rivera and Brian Flores from the Dolphins to Washington. Those are the two most qualified teams right now, out there right now. I know Tua Tungvaloa. Who better for Tua to learn from? Well, and that's the other no, thing. Is that, Tua. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if they if would. My, if Miami was to I think they Aaron believe in Tua still. They believe if, Tua. if Miami was to go for Aaron Rodgers all in, they have to trade Tua. Not, not, not to the Packers because the Packers got love. They don't need a quarterback. There could be you know that, I mean? that's when you start talking about th- three team trades. That's possible. That's when you start talking about three team trades. Regardless, I, I don't believe the Dolphins are 100% all in on Tua Tungabaloa. That's why I believe they're going to take Coles on Rodgers. Will, will they get Rodgers? No, I don't know. I, I mean, who's to say? I think Washington is the perfect team if I had to choose one, but but the Packers would want to move him to the AFC. So I, that's why I said the qualified team right now with all the boxes checked, coaching, Roster, AFC, contending type of roster, uh, easier division, boom. They don't play the Chiefs this year. Like, there's a lot of things 
that you know you can really equate into all that. So that's that's where I'm at with the whole Rogers aspect of this. But just to make this official and just to put it on air again, just so the listening audience knows what we what we said and where we stand. I believe Trey Lance is going to be the best quarterback. I believe he's the most talented quarterback in this draft class. I think he's going to be the best. I think that Zach Wilson is going to be the biggest bust of all the quarterbacks in this draft class. Trevor, where are you at? Eddie, where are you at? Justin Fields is my guy, so I think he's going to be the best as far as early success, trajectory of his career, being in a good spot with a coach that fits him perfectly in my mind with the RPOs with Nagy and that system, using his mobility and his smarts and his ability to make plays downfield while he's on the run, using that mobility. I think he's a great fit in Chicago. I think Chicago has got their guy. Um, I think I, I hands down believe the best quarterback in this draft is, is Trevor Lawrence. He's got he's gonna have to work for his his career to get to where he needs it to be. But I think he is that much of a, a needle mover. I think he will turn that franchise around and make it into a winner. Um, I think he's that good. Um, and I think they already have some speedster and some weapons weapons over there. But um, those are my two quarterbacks. Trey Lance, I'm still iffy on man. I'm gonna be honest. I like his talent. I watched his film, but. He's not a proven winner in big games in my mind. He hasn't done enough for me on a re- resume-wise to really prove to me that he deserved to be taken in that high in the draft. Um, I, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at with those three guys. As far as bust, I don't, I don't. I'm probably with you on the bust. I don't, I don't think that there's much else there. But I, those are those are my three guys I wanted to touch on. I mean, there's not much for me to add. I, I I'm gonna go with Trevor uh, with Trevor and say Justin Fields. I think he's gonna be the best quarterback of, of the straw of this draft. Career-wise, mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to have a better su- successful career than Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence went to the Jaguars, and, and we know that the Jaguars are just a shit franchise. It's going to take time. It's going to it's going to take a lot from him to turn that franchise completely around, and he he could be that quarterback that could that could potentially you know flip that flip that franchise and and be good in contenders, but that's nowhere near in the like near in the, in the near future. Uh, as busts, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Mac Jones is probably gonna be the bust Ooh, of, the, of, okay. the, of the NFL draft. I, I, I like say it. Mac Jones. Mac like Jones, it. yes. Uh, I think he's gonna be the the bust of, of the NFL draft of this year. Um, yes, he landed with Bill Belichick, but to to Lance's point, like how long is Bill Belichick gonna stay coaching? Like, do we know if did he just draft him just to you know leave the the franchise something? Maybe to Josh McDaniels. Let it be the next yeah, head coach. Exactly. I think that's what probably will happen. So, because that might be Josh McDaniels' guy. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's who they picked. And who knows? Because Josh McDaniels was with uh, Tom Brady. Of, yeah, Josh McDaniels is going to be the future yeah, that's of that his franchise. Guy. That, Tom Brady's a that's why Josh McDaniels back. guy, right? And Mac Jones reminded reminded him of Tom Brady, and they decided to take this guy. But yeah. I, I I do believe I I do believe he's going to be a bust. And there's trades all over the board right now that I'm seeing. I think there's I what, getting Twitter fucking three straight trades in the second <laughs> round. We're only we're not even the 40th pick yet. So we're going to keep rolling with the show because the Chiefs are going to be picking in about 19 picks. Uh, so by the third segment, which we will give you our day two reactions, that's going to be right around that time. So as we're doing the show, guys, we're going to be sitting here looking at what the Chiefs could be t- potentially doing. And uh, I, I, I genuinely believe that what the Chiefs are going to do, and we're going to talk more about this in the third segment, I think the Chiefs are going to take a tight end and an edge rush tonight. I think regardless of which uh, order that happens, I, I would like to see the Chiefs take the best tight end available at 58. 
and then at 63 take a, the best available edge rush because there's still so many guys on the edge that are still out there sitting waiting to go in the second round at second round value that I can see the Chiefs taking and I think their next pick will be at 144 tomorrow so we're going to take a quick break because when we get back we got to get to the Eddie hour I cannot wait to hear what kind of questions Eddie has for us and I promise you we will try to give you the least amount of distracted answers during this process we'll get back to that after this Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. it again on the spoken podcast for segment number three or two i'm sorry i'm already trying to jump ahead i'm so excited with so this draft segment number two with my guys trevor twidwell That's good eddie ortiz good. we are in the spoken studios this is episode 114 we're so excited to be here thank you for being here with us we just got done talking a little bit about the first round and as the second round is going we're about to get into the eddie hour right now my guy Tevin Jenkins just got tri- just got picked by the Chicago Bears, as we know. The Bears last night took Justin Fields, quarterback out of Ohio State. I love that pick for them. They went up and got him, and now they're being aggressive again and going and getting a potent- I would assume a left tackle with Tevin Jenkins out of OSU. I just tweeted it out right before the segment started. I believe Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace just saved their careers at Chicago because now they just got because. Two of the three most important positions in this league are quarterback and left tackle. They just answered both of those. I believe in both of those guys. I believe Justin Fields is a baller. I believe Tevin Jenkins is the truth. And I think that the Bears just set themselves up for extreme success. So, nevertheless, though, we're going to move on because we got more draft to talk about. Let's get to the Eddie Hour. What's in the Eddie Hour, my man? All right. Uh, first question. LeBron James is set to make a comeback either tonight or Sunday night. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on that. I mean, this is this is an exciting time for uh, for the NBA. It's about to start heating up. Less than a month away from the playoffs, uh, I feel like this was extremely coordinated. LeBron did tr- truly suffer a high ankle injury. I'm not going to sit here and downplay it. That's a, that is a serious injury, and it can it can really sideline you for a couple months. Uh, I do think, though, however, this was calculated and coordinated by the Lakers and LeBron James to ease him back into the right type of the time of the schedule, which is the very soft time of the schedule for them. I think that that's what's going to happen either tonight or Sunday whenever he ultimately does come back. You're going to start to see him. If anybody can come back like that and be in basketball shape already, basketball ready, it's going to be LeBron. So I think he's going to be in shape and ready to go. Anthony Davis is still working out the kinks and the rust because he had been out for two and a half months. So this is the perfect time for the Lakers to get both these guys back within a couple weeks of each other, getting ready for the playoffs, and get ready to take that fifth title. Yeah, I mean, it was only a matter of time, and what perfect timing for him to come back than to be – what better team for him to come back to than to be against my Kings. I mean, a team he's – the first game he ever played against, and he dropped yeah. damn near 30 points in his rookie debut, uh, and a team he always just destroys. So I'm, if he comes back, I'm expecting a 40-point burger tonight uh, if he plays against the Kings. No, I'm just kidding. But I, mean, I, think, I think he'll get it, you know – his reps back in, get his feet back under him. LeBron, I'm, I'm never worried about LeBron coming back from injury, man. I'm just not. He's always taking care of his body and prepared himself. He's very calculated with everything he does. His trainers are top-notch. The guy spends money on his body. 
millions of dollars on his body. He knows his body more than anybody. He gets his micro naps in. This guy knows what he's doing, dude. He gets his cryotherapy. LeBron's not human. We all know this. He's gonna when he comes back, he's gonna be back. He's not doing the Steph Curry, I'm here, I'm back, and then goes and rolls his ankle, and then he's you know, then he's just getting shut down the rest of the playoffs. That's not LeBron. LeBron's gonna be there. LeBron's gonna do what LeBron does. LeBron's gonna be ready for the playoffs. Get your popcorn ready. My 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 question is like, it feels like the Lakers are rushing Anthony Davis and LeBron James back so? in, into the court. It, it just feels. I think like, it's their call though. I think they know themselves better. I mean, than Anthony else. Davis. Anthony Davis missed ten weeks of basketball. <laughs> yeah, and he had a lower. I was eleven. He had, weeks. He, had a, he had a less severe injury than LeBron. Yeah, LeBron had it, more of a high ankle sprain. That's. And LeBron's missed what five weeks. Yeah. They so, took it more serious with AD because it's more the, the what could, that, could become is higher risk. And the reason yeah. I said calculated and coordinated is because also you have to the rest factor is that the Lakers played the longest into the bubble last year with the Heat. And if you notice, the Heat have been struggling almost all season. Of course. These teams are fatigued. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, Anthony Davis, LeBron, you guys have legit injuries. No need. Yeah, but I don't, don't rush yourself back. So if anything, to, to counter your argument, I think that they've actually slow paced this because eventually you got to get them back before the playoffs. You can't have them come back in the playoffs. They gotta be. They gotta get five to fifteen games in before like they get I to the playoffs. Said, LeBron is so calculated. LeBron is not going to risk himself getting out there when he's not one hundred percent, at least damn near one hundred percent, and risk himself getting hurt because he he knows himself more than anybody, dude. And I think LeBron, if he if LeBron's ready to play, LeBron's ready to play. It doesn't matter what the Lakers say; it matter what he says. Next question. Uh, we're going into fighting. Yeah, I'm gonna get your reactions to Masvidal getting knocked. <sighs> Out. Well, uh, it is Friday. Uh, <laughs> I got you, dude. Like my guy, guy you know, uh, uh, KGB said in the in the movie Rounders, one of my favorite movies ever. Piss the man is money. Let me get my Oreos out. Son of bitch, <laughs> you beat me straight up. No, I, 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 I guys, I hate to tell you, I told you so. Yeah. But I fucking told you so. You I, Usman is at a different level. He's he's an he's an all time great guys. Masvidal's fun. He's a he can throw down. He can throw hands. But you saw Masvidal get cocky and Usman laid his motherfucking ass out. Cocky, and the best part is, is there's all there's always receipts. And Masvidal just did a video a couple months ago talking about Usman doesn't hit very hard. <laughs> this little awkward laugh. You can look this shit up. It's hilarious. Everything he said in that video came to bite him in the jaw. Not even in the ass. In the jaw. Because that's where Usman ended him. In the jaw. That was a great fight. We didn't really get to watch it, honestly. I just watched the highlights a hundred times. I seen it. It was amazing, man. Amazing. And you know what the best part about it was? It was three against one. And this table just a week ago with our guy, Duncan Kaminsky, <laughs> from the bot. The tail, tailgate podcast came on here and so eloquently tried to tell me that Masvidal is going to beat him. Eddie said it. I think Eddie was under peer pressure, quite honestly. I think Eddie, in his heart, wanted Usman. <laughs> no. Nevertheless, nevertheless, three against one. The, the It wasn't looking good for me, but I stuck with my guy, Usman. He dropped his ass. Look, man, Usman is by far the better fighter. I never I never even doubted that whatsoever. He should have won, and he did win. I was picking Masvidal because I like Masvidal a lot, too. <clears throat> I kind of want to go for an underdog feel, and I, I, I like the idea that Masvidal has been at this weight consistently now and was training at that weight. So I gave him... You know, I just gave him that knockout chance. I even called a TKO uh, for Masvidal, so uh, he ended up getting his ass, you know, the juice shot out of his pores as he took that knockout strike. Man, that was a that was a sight to see. That was obviously it was a short lived fight, but that was a that was a great main event, um, and, I, and it's always fun to see a knockout. So either way, it was an entertaining fight. I owe Lance forty dollars. I'll get that to you later. Goddamn right. Uh, but yeah, I was wrong. I was hoping to 
to be a little contrarian and, and get, let that pay off for me, but uh, it didn't. So, Masvidal got his ass lit, man. Is Usman really that guy? You know, Masvidal. Uh, look, Masvidal is the best fighter he's ever fought in that weight division. Masvidal, beat his ass both times. Yeah, but Masvidal isn't like a true cage fighter. He came from street fighting. He wasn't like a a trained. I mean, this is this is what I'm saying. I think that division is a little watered. I'm not going to downplay Usman. I think he could, if there was elite talent in there. I think I still think he would be winning. I, I, I'm going to throw this out here, and it, this is this is like GSP's left. coming back. He's gonna well, beat him. No, he would kill GSP at this point. <laughs> Probably. Uh, it is left field, but I have a I have a feeling, man, and I know they train together, so maybe they won't do it. But the purse would be nuts, the ratings would be nuts, pay per views would be nuts. If Usman somehow convinced Khabib to fight, I was, gonna, I was waiting. They're they are just within ten pounds of each other, and that's a catch weight. There will be no belts I involved. I think Khabib is done. Ca- I, maybe he is mentally. Maybe he is. There has been throw money in his face. There has, okay. dude. There that's has not, hey, not Khabib. There have been rumors though that Khabib's been getting that itch again. So. He needs to make it 30 and 0. I mean, Ooh, that would that one would tear me up because I would pick Khabib. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Usman would give him a fight for his life. He would give him a fight. Usman, you want to talk about best fighter? Usman's best opponent's been Masvidal. Yeah. Khabib's best fighter matchup would be Usman. Who's the better fight? Maybe was a Gate, not Gaethje. Um, who's the guy that uh, Khabib last fought? Was it Gaethje? It was Gaethje, I think. Yeah. yeah. Gaethje ain't better than Usman. You think Usman's better than Prime McGregor? Yes. Oof. Yes, he has 14 straight wins. Yeah. 14 straight no, wins. No, but again, second that, all time division. McGregor has fought more dogs than Usman okay, ever jo- has. He dropped Josie Aldo, and they dropped uh, was it Hall? Not Holloway. Uh, who, who else is McGregor beating? It's like profound great. Diaz. Diaz. That was a catchweight fight, and it was the second time around. I, I, I mean, I'm just saying that. And was, he, that was he didn't a, like that beat a, his ass. But I mean. It, it's he won by decision. Like, he won dude, by decision. You gotta understand, though, dude. It's always harder coming back and, and getting a, a revenge. I love win. McGregor. That's I love McGregor, harder. but let's be honest. He was he had a flash in the pan career. I don't know. Dude. He had a flash in the I pan think career. McGregor is an elite fighter, bro. I name, name me three great fights McGregor had. I mean, okay, I'm not gonna go. You know what I mean? Like that's all I'm saying. Like Usman to me has the better I catalog. Pretty, yeah, Usman's working on a a goat resume right now. He really, really is, man. And even Joe Rogan agreed when he said after that fight, "I'm the greatest to do this in, the, in, that, in this weight." You can't really argue it. So yep. I mean, I I'm kudos, just saying, kudos to Usman, bro. He's a badass. Usman really that guy because uh, he called out none other than Jake Paul. Jake Paul responded. Wait, what? He did? I didn't even realize. Yep. That. Usman called him out. Jake Paul responded and said, "Dana White, make this shit oh, happen." No. And Jake, then Jake, and then, no. And then, and then Usman was like, "Nah, never mind." Y'all want to see a dead body? Yeah, That's literally what would happen. I think he was caught up. I ain't even trying to entertain. Yeah. I mean, Usman's trying to try to grab that bag. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, he just Usman chickened out, so. Bro, Usman chickened out. Usman. LOL. Usman. LOL. Because, I mean, Jake Paul said, hey, let's sign this shit. LOL. Usman, no. Usman what probably said, happened was Dana White got in his ear and said, hey, listen, we got three fights coming up that are way more valuable to your UFC yeah, career. He's one, he's one of the headliners, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, come on, man. He's yeah. one of the three best fighters in the You're UFC right now. You're not going to get $40 million. I'll, give you, gonna, I'll give you a million. How crazy. I'll give you a million instead of 40. How crazy is this? No, come, fuck Covington. You don't deserve that fight. <laughs> I just okay. want to see him lose Here's my again. thing. You think about the three of the four best fighters in the world right now in the UFC are from Africa. Yeah, yeah. How badass is that? Israel Adesanya, Cameron Usman, and Ngannou. Francis Ngannou. Three champs, dude. Three champs from from Africa, and then John Bone Jones, the other one. So, like, you this is this UFC man. I'm telling you, this is why Danny White's got to start paying these motherfuckers because if he doesn't, you're gonna start losing this talent. Because right now, UFC has never been more talented. This is unbelievable. I love what I'm seeing from the UFC, man. Um, Sticking to that same same card, Karma. Would you say karma when Chris Weidman broke his leg? 
Only reason I'm saying karma is because he celebrated when, when uh, Spider Silva yeah. broke his Yeah, okay, leg. hold on, hold on, hold on. You can't strategically okay. plan to he, break okay, his Yes, let's contextualize. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, let's, karma. Let's contextualize this. He didn't celebrate Silva breaking his leg. He, he celebrated the win. Yeah. It's different. Like, yeah, what is a man supposed to do? Not celebrate his win. He didn't Silva. train. You saw the the guy that, that fought Weidman. He didn't celebrate. I understand, man, but you gotta Bro. understand Weidman just went against at pay, that time the greatest pay, fighter ever. I just yeah. think you gotta pay respect. I get in it. In the okay. moment, I can, I'm not gonna I'm shame not, yeah. anybody for celebrating. I'm not gonna knock Weidman Silva. Beating Anderson Silva, karma boy. Bro, you can't. That's not karma, dude. That you. You got We're gonna throw this because Anderson Silva himself came out and made this whole like long dialogue about Chris Weidman has nothing but my profound respect and I'm so sorry this happened to you. I hope everything's I'm good. So glad like that shit happened. You know how fighters are, though, Eddie. If there was bad blood about Silva. that, you don't think Anderson Silva would be like, nope, fuck you, man. No, man, like that that there, there's no karma there. It's a freak accident. It's it a, is weird. It's strange that it happened to him. Yeah. It's like the third time in the history of the UFC it's ever happened, yeah. and it happened to two guys that happened to you know one one and the other. So. Yeah, it's weird. I don't think it's karma. First of all, I don't believe in karma. But second karma. of all, it's it's one of those things I just think it's a freak accident that happens. Randy Johnson karma. hitting that bird. It's like yeah. these freak accidents. It happens. Yeah, that's karma for that bird. That bird must have done some shit. <laughs> yeah, he must have literally <laughs> shit on a car. Shit on Randy Johnson's mom's car. Oh, yeah, the unit's like, fuck you. Take this pigeon. Why was he in the way? That was one of the freakiest things I've ever seen. No, the freakiest. That's the weirdest so thing that ever crazy, happened in the history bro. of sports. That would never happen again. That will never happen again. All right. Next question. Logan Paul versus Mayweather has been Let's confirmed. go. Let's go. Thoughts. Thoughts. Mayweather's going to win by decision. <laughs> Straight yeah, up. You don't want to hurt They're both going to make tons of money. Yeah. The purse is going to be immense. Their millionaires are going to get become millionaires again. And we're all going to sit here and go, that fucking sucks. Bro, Logan is so much bigger it's than It's a Mayweather. dance with gloves, man. If Logan catches him with one. It ain't happening. Dude, Logan's a monster, bro. Mayweather's not going to agree to a celebrity match unless he knows he's going to win. It's the same thing with McGregor. Go watch that fight again. That was an absolute joke. It was he's, a farce. He's a sham artist. In, yes. the last, in the last 10 years, he's been a sham it's artist. A farce. I mean, even the McGregor thing was bullshit. Yes. We all knew what they were doing. It's a it dance was, with it was gloves. Dance. It's a dance with gloves. These guys are going to make the bag, literally, yes. bro. These guys are going to make so much money. I think they'll touch each other five times a piece and call it quits. Call it quits. You're going to see Mayweather do that little shoulder roll. Hit, He's going to do the little shoulder honestly, roll. No, I wouldn't and be so, surprised at the same time. Like, I just, I want to say Logan can like maybe catch him with one, but Logan's speed is just not enough to get you. there. So, I mean. And, if Canelo couldn't connect with Mayweather, Mayweather's he's just going to bounce around and run away. Overrated. I, look, look, Logan has like 100 pounds on him and like six inches on him. So if he catches them with one, there there can be some, gonna be even slower. Right. I just don't think Logan has the speed to even get inside of Mayweather. No I chance. Just don't think it's gonna happen. But it it's gonna make a lot of money. I mean, a lot of people I mean, are gonna Mayweather's pay for that. smart because he chose the, the the Paul brother that has. I just want to know when the yeah. when what what boxer is gonna have the balls to finally say, you know what, I'm gonna fight someone MMA style. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> that's is, what I'm waiting on. That's a mistake. Though. I want to see a boxer have the balls to do that because they keep fighting these boxing style fights. I want to see somebody step into the octagon. See, that's, that's way, in my mind, that's way more of a disadvantage yeah, exactly. than a boxer, than a, oh, than a case yeah. I want to see a motherfucker go in there and trust their hands so much. A lot of case fighters have boxing backgrounds. Barely any boxers have ground. And that's what I'm saying. Doesn't. I want to see a boxer that confident that says, yeah, they're not. I'm so confident in my hands that not. I can go in there in an octagon and beat, you, beat your ass not, standing up. they're not stupid. That's a stupid thing to do. Like, I mean, if we're do doing this? these stupid fights with Logan Paul and fucking Floyd Mayweather at 43 but years old, they're MMA fighters. I'm just saying, this is a joke, too. This fight's going to be a joke. 
not going to call the Logan. The, it ain't going to be a real fight. The Paul brothers a joke. I think they're it's legit. I think they're legitimate. Joe Rogan athletes. even said that Jake Paul is the of, real deal. They're legitimate. Joe Rogan athletes. has to hype this stuff up because it has something to do with them too. They're getting Mitch, no, Daniel I, Cormier, and Jake Paul. Bro. There's all these correlations, dude, guys. Watch, watch them, dude. Look Everybody at them. benefits specimens. off of this. If you if you follow Jake Paul, he probably knock the shit I, out of you. I'm not a fighter, Eddie. Okay, I'm just saying, but <laughs> Jake Paul. Point. Dude, I'm, I'm calling him not a fighter because I didn't he, say that. When did I ever say Jake Paul's not a fighter? I said this is a Jake joke. Paul. It's a sham. I don't think it's a sham. I think, no. Jake, I think you guys really think they're going to go in there and try to beat each other up? Yeah, yeah. I think you I mean, just Logan, said yourself they're no, going to no, touch no. each other five I think, times. I think, I think Logan Paul definitely, dude. You don't think Logan Paul wants to get a piece of Mayweather? Of course, this matters way more. This matters way more for the resume of Jake of, of Logan Paul Logan than it does Paul. Mayweather. Mayweather's going to get, dance around and get the bag. Sure. I just I, I'm I'm talking more about Jake Paul. I think he's a legitimate boxer. I will say that yeah. until he fights a legitimate boxer, he's not a legitimate <laughs> yeah, boxer. He's only, he's only fought three times and he's knocked everybody out. I'm just saying. Who who's he who's he fought? A fucking four it's, retired NBA look, player. Look at any boxer's first three fights. Most of them are, are getting their feet wet. That's how. Maybe, it works. maybe the retired bo- NBA player Mike Tyson fought. I'm not going to compare Mike Tyson to Jake Paul. You just bro. called him a legitimate boxer. He is. Based on what? Because he's, he's boxing? watching him fight. He's got power. He's got legitimate snap to his punches. Then bro. why isn't he fighting boxers? He's getting, dude, he's 23 years old. Like Canelo was fighting a championship fight Canelo against Mayweather a at 23 years old. From day one. This is a YouTuber who's obviously always been an athlete, but just got himself in, and he has legitimate trainers. I'm just saying, let the kid get groomed a little bit and work his way in. It's not. I'm not expecting him to go fight immediately. Top tier boxers right away. That's not how it works. You got to let them. I didn't build. even say top tier boxer. I'm saying just fight a boxer. Just fight a boxer, and then you can be called a legitimate boxer. That's how you become a legitimate boxer. You when you're, you, don't, you don't think he's working towards that though. That's what, what I'm saying. What, okay, no, 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 no. Actually, I don't. Actually, not, not I don't. anybody. Not anybody can just go in there and, and, no. and pull up sure. a pro boxer. Time. You think there's any coincidence? Jake Paul only fights guys that he knows he can get the purse with. You're talking at this point. So he fought three times, right? Right. A lot of them have been showcase things where it brings an audience and he's building a brand. You understand, dude? This is baby steps for him. He's not gonna go fight Canelo what right now. What other boxer in the history of boxing ever did that? This is, dude, it's different times, bro. This is not the typical Okay, boxer. what other boxer now is doing that? This is Lance. I'm not going to compare him to anyone else because Jake Paul, what Jake Paul is doing right now has never been done before. What he's doing, he's, he's completely starting a new trend. He's a sideshow. Uh, okay. Until he fights a boxer, he's a sideshow. He's going to. You don't think he's it's going to? It's a circus. You don't think he's going to? I'm waiting. Okay. I'm waiting. He's only fought three Go times. fight Canelo. See what happens. He probably win. But you're really, <laughs> no. I will put the next three paychecks on that Dude, shit. You, you saying go fight Canelo is so out of touch, though. He's not. You're not just like yeah, get up, Canelo. Hey, you want to fight Jake Paul? And Canelo was like way hey, up here. Jake was Paul's- Canelo not? Uh, were they were they not in discussions? No. Was no. it was there not talks about that? that? Not How about Jake Paul dropped that on the spot? Yeah, he he wanted to. He wants make to make it happen. Out. Maybe get Pacquiao yeah, come out of retirement and fight Pacquiao or something like that. That would be fun. I'm just saying, like I don't think Jake Jake Paul is Jake Paul will get KO'd by Pacquiao. Sure. Probably. In my mind, Pacquiao's one of the goats. (laughs) I mean, you know who uh, Jake Paul has kind of like, I guess you could say, sparred with? Uh, Ryan Garcia. He's got legitimate training, dude. They're really close friends, and they sparred before. And Ryan Garcia has said himself that he is a real beat. Then fight boxers. For his power. Then fight boxers. I'm sorry, but if you're knocking out cage fighters, which are known for their chins, especially guys like that, and he just knocked out who was known for his chin in the first round, you cannot deny that power, bro. You just can't. 
the snap on his punches are real. He's a real athlete. He's a real boxer. I'm not saying he's some pro that's like needs to go face Canelo to be legit. I'm saying he's no Mayweather, no Pacquiao. No, he's not up there yet. I'm not saying he's. I don't even. I don't even think he's ever going to be that. No, but I'm saying he's a legitimate boxer that has talent that has some promise. He's a kid still, bro. Like let, I think if he groomed, so he can go fight some guys. What, and make what a does he weigh in at? One seventy. He's a pretty stout dude. One seventy. Yeah, he's like 5'10", 170, 75. He's a big dude. So, oh, I'm sorry. I've been over here waiting for him to fight a boxer. I, I'm sorry. Three fights, dude. It's only three. Wait, none of them are boxers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's the next question? All right, man, last question for you guys. Is this a draft that we've been talking about the draft? Uh, I want to get your questions as to why Elijah Moore fell all the way to the second round when he was projected you know to, to go in the the uh, early teens i think it's a mixture of two things one the Bengals obviously were hell-bent on getting a receiver because of the fact jamar chase and right. joe burrow played together so there's a reunion factor to play right That's a smart move yeah also the fact Devonte at or Devonte smith is arguably the best receiver in this draft class so he naturally it made sense for him to go first as well or before him, uh, uh, Elijah Moore as well. So I think it's just one of those things where it's – and he didn't really, like, drop, drop. We're not sitting here talking about a guy that fell to the third or fourth round. I mean, he fell within the first 40 picks. Yeah. So he's still a high-valued commodity. The first 100 picks are valued commodities, in my opinion. So he fell into the, you know, the late or early day two. He's going to ball out. This kid, I love him. His size worries me a little bit, but his speed, his route tree, his hands, all those things check out. And he's actually a little bit physical too. My whole thing is he was physical on the college side of things. I want to see him move from the collegiate level and be physical on the the NFL level because he's going to be facing pros at this point, unlike Jake Paul. And then he's going to be actually going against legit competition. I'm excited for Elijah Moore. I think he's going to be a legitimate wide receiver. Yeah. Like I said, I think those are the only reasons. Had Bingle, had the Bengals didn't have Joe Burrow with Jamar Chase attached, there is a chance they either go Devontae or they go Elijah with that fifth overall pick. I'm not I'm not even trying to be hyperbolic here. I really think that would have been a possibility. Yeah, I mean, it obviously it comes down to Jake Wilson or, or Zach Wilson to see if, you know, how he pans out too as a quarterback for the Jets. I mean, if they have if they kind of create some chemistry, that'd be a good pick. I think I think he's a legitimate receiver. I like him. I like the comparison to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, he's definitely a muscle balance fair comparison. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a lot of high praise and a lot of high expectations. But um, I mean, like I said, like I agree with you. Everything you said, the way he, his his makeup, he's an undersized speedster uh, running or wide receiver. <clears throat> that's tending. That's starting to trend up in this league with guys having success like that, and and you know. Uh, having a lot of dump off plays and quick slant plays for getting those speedsters the ball, see what they can do after the catch. I can definitely see him being kind of a safety blanket type guy. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a lot of promise and I think he's, he, he slipped a little too far. I think he's a first round town in my mind, but he, you know, it's a, it's a great pick overall. It's a great pick. And the Raiders did just take TCU safety, uh, Tevin Morig, which was a good pick. The Raiders. Yeah, that was he was a. I think he was graded out to be a first round pick, but uh, so did had, they actually make the he right? Had, pick? He had back issues though. That's yeah. the only thing. But yeah, he was graded. I think to be a first round pick, but he taking Leatherwood when they did at what seventeenth overall yeah. was just absolutely inexcusable. That's so Raiders, but I just like Clellan Farrell, they took him what fifth overall last year. Yeah, this is a, a good pick though. Say they needed a safety because Abrams is always banged up and, and he's and never. They on traded the field. with San Francisco, which is crazy. To yeah, get that pick. So they traded up to. He was a first round. Grade, they they went from forty eight to forty three. Uh, San Francisco trade uh, pick number forty three, and he's seven round and Vegas uh, for the 48 and the fourth round pick. That's a good pick. They needed another safety for sure. There's that. So, yeah. All right. Good, Eddie. Yeah, we're going to take a quick break, guys, because the Chiefs are going to be on the board very, very soon. We cannot wait 
to talk to you guys. And in fact, you know what I think we're gonna do? Yeah, we're gonna wait until the Chiefs make the pick, and then we're gonna give you guys our honest reactions and responses to it because that way we have let's let's wait. Let's do this. Let's wait until the first pick of the Chiefs in this draft happens. Come back on air, talk about this, and make this you know a reactionary. Because then five five picks later, we'll probably still be in the middle of the segment when they take that next one. We'll just roll along because I think there's a lot that we're going to be talking about. Because no matter what the Chiefs pick in this draft, no matter where they go, which position, I mean they're playing with house money at this point. Yeah. So they have literally. I mean, it really comes down to whether the Chiefs feel like someone's going to fall to them, or they feel as if that you know they need to go up and get a guy best player or available. Best player available. There's. A, I mean, obviously you don't want to take a quarterback or a running back, but if there's an offensive lineman, a defensive end, a rush, you know, outside linebacker you can convert, yeah. uh, a tight end, wide receiver, a safety even. Like those are guys that I think the Chiefs really entertain because on the defensive side, safeties and edge rush are what Spagnuolo's defenses are predicated on. And obviously, Andy Reid loves, loves adding talent to his offenses. And Brett Beach, when in doubt, always gives Pat, Patrick Mahomes as much help as possible. So, like I said, guys, we're about 10 picks away, a little over 10 picks away. I cannot wait to get to that, and we're going to tell you guys all about what we think the Chiefs are going to do, or rather, what they did with those picks and how we feel about it initially. But until then, stay tuned, guys. we got a lot more to unpack for the show. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. So, we left it off, guys. We were anticipating those those two picks that the Chiefs had tonight in the second round. I'll be honest with you guys, I had really no idea. I had some ideas of what I wanted, but I had no idea as to where the Chiefs were going to go with these picks. And boy, could I have not have been more wrong. I initially said that I'd love to have seen the Chiefs take a tight end at 58 and then a defensive end or you know edge rusher at 63. Either one didn't matter which one they won. I just wanted those two positions because, let's be honest, the Chiefs are playing with house money at this point. Yep. They have a, a very loaded roster, and they have all their key positions already locked up. So at this point, it's all about just padding and adding depth. But the, the Chiefs decided to go a little more homegrown uh, within the tri-state area, if you will, going with a Missouri linebacker by the name of Nick Bolton with the number 58th overall pick. And then with number 63, a guy that I have been very big on because my dude, who I trust very much more than anybody else, Jay Binkley from 610 Sports Radio, has been praising this guy and talking about how he would make so much sense for the Chiefs. Center out of Oklahoma, one man by the name of Creed Scott Stapp, Humphrey, <laughs> can you take me higher? I believe Creed Humphrey is going to take the Chiefs higher. I don't want to get to that one yet. I just had to throw the pun in there real quick. Let's start with the number 58th overall pick because, again, this was the more unpredictable one for me. I, I, I told you guys before the pick came in, like, I just feel like something's going to happen where it's a guy that we don't see coming. 
ends up being the guy the Chiefs take. That is exactly what happened. Our guy Willie Gay Jr. Uh, from the Chiefs uh, actually said it beforehand. He thinks he thought it was going to be Nick Bolton. I'm sure he was already tipped off, so it's not like he had some you know random guess that happened to be 100 percent correct. You got to give Ken Swanson some. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Ken, and, and, and this is where I want to kind of dig into and put our put our hooks into this because our guys, um, formerly and currently at Arrowhead Pride, have talked about. Nick Bolton not really being the guy they wanted to see the Chiefs take in this draft for their own reasons, of course. Um, and we can get into that in a second. But I just wanted to read a little bit of an overview from NFL.com on Nick Bolton and his draft profile. And this is a, this is their word-for-word verbatim of their, of their overview on him. When you think about strong, forceful inside linebackers, Bolton is the type of player you might be envisioning. He's going to fall below typical NFL starter standards from a size standpoint, but his rugged frame and forceful demeanor help make up for it. Play recognition and pursuit instincts help carry him to the football, and he is a uh, message-sending striker when he gets the runner squared up. He has functional short area bursts between the tackles, but will struggle to run down the outside run if he's not close enough to the action. He will need to lean heavier on his instincts to help speed him up because of the size and speed limitations. Bolton plays with good field recognition when dropping into zone and has a history of making plays on the football and on, on the football and coverage. He's a three-down linebacker who can make an immediate contribution on special teams and has the potential to become a future starter. Okay, so here's just a couple things I want to address on that, and, and I kind of want to work. I want to Tarantino that arrow overview, kind of start at the end and work back to the beginning. I have my concerns about this pick because of the fact of what they finished off that analysis with. They're saying that he's initially going to be a special team type of player and then work his way to becoming a starter. Now, I'm not saying that's gospel because – we don't know how this is going to fare out, but there are limitations that we have to address with Bolton. The fact that he's just at six foot, he's not an overly humongous linebacker. He is 240, so he's going to pack a punch. He's obviously a really good tackler and a really good hitter yeah. when it comes to squaring up guys. But that is a concern because what have we talked about when it comes to answering the linebacker position? The Chiefs get gouged in the middle of the field in coverage. So if he can't cover those outside places out in the flats and out in things like that, it's going to be really hard for me to convince myself that this was the, this was the right pick at 58, given that this is the first pick for the Chiefs in this draft. I'm going to stay optimistic because there was a lot of good things I heard in that as well about the potential of being a starter. He's an incredible tackler, which we all know at linebacker the Chiefs have had struggles with. Guys that can finish and wrap up and tackle. Hitchens stepped up big time last year as a veteran. He had his, one of his better seasons of his career. We hope for that per- to progress because Bolton, I don't believe, is going to be a starter day one and may not be a starter most of this upcoming season. So the Chiefs had to have made this pick knowing that they see the long-term success for Bolton. What were your guys' overall picks starting with you, Just from the film that I've watched him so far, I didn't watch him and pay attention to him much during the, the, his collegiate career, but just from the film that I've watched, the guy tackles really good. He meets a lot of running backs in the backfield, and that is our, was our biggest weakness. We were getting gashed in the middle by a lot of running backs. And we in our division, we have some good and improved O-lines going against us. We have some good running backs in our division that we're going to be facing on a weekly basis. Um, so, I mean, I think someone that can meet someone at the line of scrimmage and or behind the line of scrimmage, wrapping up the ankles of running backs and quarterbacks and getting there, bursting up through those those gaps and those holes and, and a little bit of angry, you know, chip on a shoulder kind of like, you know, that's the kind of guy I want to see out there. I want a dog out there. And that's from what I watched on his film. He looks like a guy that's just playing angry. A um, little bit of like a DJ-ness to him where he gets the guys low and sweeps their ankles a lot. How DJ was really, really good at that and bursting through the line, sweeping ankles. We don't, we don't, we didn't have a lot of that last. I mean, Hitchin was good, but Hitchin wasn't a Hitchin's wasn't a guy that was con- consistently getting in the backfield and meeting running backs before they got through. 
We were getting gashed in the middle way too much last year. That was by far our biggest weakness. Um, so I'm excited to see him and what he could possibly do and uh, uh, bringing that that angry ten- tendency and having another dog out there. Because we haven't seen enough from Willie Gay to really know who he is yet. We have, we just really haven't. As soon as he started kind of getting more reps, he got hurt. And I have a lot of faith in Willie Gay. I think he's going to be – I think he's by far the better athlete here. And I think he's better in coverage than this guy probably is. But I, I like I like having a traditional middle linebacker, a Mike linebacker, that is going to go up there and just blast in the middle. That's what I like. We have we've been without that for some years since Prime DJ, for being honest. So I'm glad to have that kid. Yeah, uh, I'm, I mean nothing much to add to that, but uh, I, I do think Chiefs saw that. Uh, I mean Willie Gay's injury uh, dragged on uh, at the end of the year. We don't have much depth. Uh, they Damien, Damien Wilson. They need depth. Exactly. They yeah. need depth and. Obviously, they need help with tackling. That's one of the things. One of one of the biggest uh, flaws of the defense last yep. year. They could not tackle. They couldn't finish. I the think tackle. they were number one in the league. Yeah. In they these could, tackles. Yeah, they couldn't. They couldn't finish the tackle. And and what what I've seen in the highlights that I've watched just uh, after the after the pick, he can get to the to the runner and 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 you know pack a punch. He can he can hit. Yeah. Yeah. He might not be big and so, like uh, tall like. I think he's six foot, but yeah. I don't, he's not big for a linebacker. Two forty, those. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all muscle. Yeah. Uh, so that might be one of the the downfalls for him is the size. Uh, he's probably a little too short to be like a true, true, true linebacker. Uh, and that's why probably if he fell and probably would have fallen even after the fifty eight. Uh, I like the pick just for the simple fact that uh, I seen that he can tackle so. Brett Veach has been the Chiefs GM since 2018. And I think this is now the time, like with coaches, they always talk about you know, you know what a coach is going to be and what he brings to the team by year three. This is now Brett Veach's fourth draft. And you have your tendencies. You have your, um, you, you know, sometimes you show your hand uh, as a GM and how you like to draft. Um, obviously, the Chiefs have only had one first-round pick since 2018. <laughs> since the Chiefs uh, traded up for Patrick Mahomes in 2017. So we have to look at the second-round picks and start to look at those as almost like the first-round picks for the Chiefs moving forward and you kind of standardize it from there. If you look at the second-round picks that, that Veach has taken, in 2018 he took Breland Speaks. Had every anticipation of him being a starter day one because he traded up for him. Breland Speaks ended up becoming Breland Stinks and is no longer with the team, not in the NFL. Uh, then you have the next season of 2019. He goes up against Juan Thornhill, trades up for McCole Hardman. Both guys were starters immediately. And then in 2020, obviously, they go and get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. But then in, in, in the second round, they go get Willie Gay Jr. Was supposed to be a starter, but they worked him up. This is where my concern is, though, is that Juan Thornhill, I think, by far, has been the best second-round pick the Chiefs have taken to this point. Yeah. By far. And... I'm okay with the belief that the Chiefs see the same type of potential in a Nick Bolton as they did in a Juan Thornhill because of the very same reasons. Physical, can tackle really well, things of that nature. My concern, though, is the fact that size has to matter in some regard, and being able to cover a certain amount of ground at the Mike position has to matter in some regard. The one thing I will say, though, is that in this particular defense, in the spag style of defense, and we talked about this off-air while watching the draft, linebackers, especially on the interior side of things, is not 
the most important part or aspect of a defense in SPAG style, 4-3 style defense. You want upfront pressure, and you want insanely good safety play. Now, obviously, the Chiefs did not see safety value at 58. Clearly, they didn't see edge value at 58. So my concern is, is Nick Bolton the pick the Chiefs wanted, or was he just simply the guy they saw on the board that just he's possibly the best player on the board? That's that's my only concern because the one critique we can legitimately put on Beach at this point of his career and his tenure as Chiefs GM is draft selection. We have concerns here, legitimate concerns. First impressions are everything. His first impression was Breland Speaks. So he's been really trying to redeem himself. There's a lot of pressure with this Nick Bolton pick because there's still a lot of good players. We just saw the very next pick after Nick Bolton was Marshall out of LSU, an extremely talented wide receiver. Wide receiver is also a need the Chiefs have. So there's a lot riding on this pick, if you ask me, when it comes to Veach's draft ability. Because to this point, and I'm okay with it, to this point, the Chiefs haven't really relied on draft picks in order to succeed. Right. It's actually been since around 2014 and 2015 that the Chiefs have really relied on draft picks. I mean, 2017, obviously, with Patrick Mahomes and Kareem Hunt at the time. Yeah. But outside of those draft picks, the Chiefs have really relied on core players they've had for years. Now, it's worked to this point, so I'm okay with it again. But Nick Bolton better hit. This better be a pick that, that, that actually lands because I, I'm i not going to accept drafting a number 58 overall player that ends up just being a special teamer for 17 games a season. He has to advance. He has to advance quickly. That's the only exception I'm going to put with this. We have to standardize this. We have to hold Brent Veach to a certain level of standards because of the fact, like we've talked about many, many times on this show, I just talked about on my freelancing show, it's all about championship decisions from here on out. The moment the Chiefs took Patrick Mahomes, the moment they got to their first Super Bowl, championship decisions is all they take from here on out. Nick Bolton better turn out to be a championship decision. Yeah. And speaking of a, of a championship decision, I think the Chiefs absolutely crushed it with 63. Creed Humphrey. Mm. My guy Binkley, again, I trust him more than anybody else out there. No offense to any of my guys that I, I, I have on this show or that I talk to on my own personal time that – I believe in that I trust with their with their uh, you know overviews their analysis and things like that. But Binkley has been preaching Creed Humphrey for the longest time. We're going to have Bink on this week. We're actually going to have him on next week and talk about the draft as a whole and what he took away from it. But I already know what Bink's going to say about Creed Humphrey. He's going to absolutely love this pick. He's an absolute stud. Let me guys, let me just go ahead and give you guys the overview on Creed Humphrey from NFL.com. He's a savvy game wise center with below average length. Good core strength and a and a full slate of intangibles desired at that position. Humphrey is praised inside the building for his outstanding leadership and having the recognition to make all the calls up front. He's more of a positional blocker than forklifter, but has the core strength to neutralize and stalemate blockers at the point of attack. He's not a plus athlete, but he's athletic enough as a move blocker with the ability to work his feet into position to finish blocks after contact. He plays with a nasty streak when needed, which will appear, which will appeal to offensive line coaches, but his overall profile might be more steady than star. Humphrey is a solid, safe selection and should become a longtime starter. This is why I love this pick. Because of the fact, what have I guys, what have I been preaching on this show for over a year? The Chiefs have got to treat Patrick Mahomes as more than just a star player, but as a long-term investment. You don't need superstars on the offensive line. What you need is guys that you know are a sure thing. Creed Humphrey is walking into the league right now as a sure thing. 
reliability. The, the, the Chiefs know what they're getting with Creed Humphrey. They just broke it all down right there. He's not an athletic freak, but he is insanely strong, incredible leadership, and is an incredible move blocker. That is everything the Chiefs need right now for Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if Creed Humphrey is going to start the season as the starting center, but he will start at center at some point, at some point this it. time. He's going to compete for day one. The Chiefs brought in Austin Blythe for depth and competition with Nick Allegretti, who the Chiefs drafted a couple seasons ago. Now that they got Creed Humphrey out of Oklahoma, I have the full belief and confidence they didn't pick this guy to just be a depth guy. I truly believe they believe he's going to be the center for the Chiefs for the next five to ten years. And, and again, Beakley has been talking about this. I, me and Beak have talked many, many times off air about this very guy. He said if there's any way the Chiefs can get him in the mid-rounds, they got to take him. And the Chiefs just got, in my opinion, a franchise center. I, no offense to Austin, Austin, Austin Blythe. No offense to Nick Allegretti. Both of those guys, I think, are solid players. They're solid players. Austin Blythe's a solid player. If Austin Blythe ends up becoming the starting center of this team, I'm not going to really combat it. But there is, again, championship decisions that Brett Veach, I believe, is making. And with the 63rd overall pick, you're still well within the first 100 picks. You have to be getting guys that you know are going to make immediate impact. And I believe that Creed Humphrey is the type of guy that will make immediate impact and take this offensive this offense higher, as, as you know, in the words of Scott Stapp. You know, so I again walk him here with arms wide open. So. <laughs> Yeah. And he is definitely not a faceless man. He's got profile. So he's a weather veteran coming at you. Know. <laughs> I'm a roaster. Hold on, All right, so Trevor, so white. What is your what is your thoughts? What is your takeaway? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck you're <laughs> <are> talking about. These are white people anthems, bro. What are you talking about? So, so Trevor, let's go there. Yeah. Tell me your thoughts on uh, Creed Humphrey. Man, uh, I love it. Um, I, I wanted us. To, I want us to go. I wanted us to go defensive and offensive line this draft. That's all I really cared about. I don't. I didn't really. I mean, I wanted us to, see, us to see possibly get another offensive weapon, wide receiver. I still think that's going to happen. We'll probably take one later here. Um, but I love it, man. We need we needed it. Uh, uh, the thing I love about it the most is we're we're building a young line. I know we got a couple of veterans in there with Kyle Long and and uh, um, um, a couple of other guys in there. But I mean, I think for the most part, with Yang coming in, see what he can become. You know, bringing Tooney over here, still young. Um, you know, and then obviously Orlando Brown. We, we're building a young core here that's going to be guys that are they're going to have consistent year in year out chemistry with Patrick Mahomes, and it just it feels good, man. It just feels right. We're doing things the right way. We're it's we see the writing on the wall, and they're doing it. You know, they're not surprising us with off the wall picks. We're like, what? Leaving us with question marks inside of our heads. You know, this is that's the guy that we needed. We needed a, a young anchor. In this O line, and that's what we needed. We needed a young, up and coming center, and that's what we did. And I mean, OU product. I'm always cool with bringing guys from OU. is a great program. We always have good offensive lines over there. Always good, productive quarterbacks and offenses. So I'm, I'm happy with it, man. He's a big kid. Um, I know Eddie's got a stat that's pretty wild. He'll he'll tell you in just a second. But I mean, I, I'm I'm over the moon with it, man. This is um this is. I wanted us to see. I wanted to see us go DB and then and then an offensive guard or or a center. But I'm cool with man. I, I like where we're headed so far, and I, I love this pick. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes has tweeted his his approval of it. You know, he's all smiles on that pick. So I think I'm going to say it now. I think he is going to be the starter this year. I do. I think he's going to come into camp, and I think he's going to be a dominant force just from the film that I've watched yeah. and from the stats that we're seeing. And the, the numbers are wild. So I think I'm confident. Uh, I'm going to call it now. I think he's going to be the day one starter. Okay, I am 100 on board with uh 100 on board with uh, Trevor there. I think he will be the starter for the for the Chiefs start uh, to start the season. Uh, 
the crazy stat that uh, Trevor was talking about is uh, Sam McDowell uh, tweeted out, Creed Humphrey did not allow the sack in three seasons. Three whole seasons. Per pro football focus. Not a single sack. Not stat, one bro. sack. <laughs> I love it. That's our guy. That's, That's our, our guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Bro, is this good, Lance? Is, is, is that a good thing? Not well, I heard. I, I, have heard I have heard that zero sacks in three seasons can be pretty good. Mm. Oh, okay. uh, I mean, that's, that's again. We have to confirm with Sam McDowell. Maybe you have to get him on the show or something about that because I know that he's a hardworking guy. Maybe he can break that stat down a little bit. But I'm pretty sure that zero sacks over a three year span bodes well. It, it does bode well. And honestly, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that Patrick Mahomes would be in favor of him continuing I mean, that. Streak. He's smiling, so <laughs> he knows he knows what he's getting. In all that. seriousness. You can't put a price tag on adding protection for your he Patrick Mahomes is the franchise. You keep him upright, you keep him protected. It's a wrap. Like I, I don't mean to simplify things. I'm not trying to get ahead of everything, but let's say this offensive line really does live up to the hype. Let's say Orlando Brown Jr. is everything we expect LDT at left tackle. Let, let's hope Joe Tooney is everything we know him to be at left guard. Let's say that uh, Creed Humphrey is that stud center that that key piece right up in the middle of the, of the offensive line let's say ldt like you said comes back strong kyle long is playing right guard and either one of those guys are playing at a higher level yep. and lucas lucas niang is an absolute bowler we're part of the niang gang here at the spoken podcast let's say let's say everything pans out just the way we hope it to be at this offensive line the chiefs are 100 winning the super bowl let me just put it like that it's that simple if this offensive line is strong enough and gives Patrick Mahomes ample time to pick apart the defenses on a, on a weekly basis, the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. I agree. That is where we're at. That is literally where we're at. I know Eddie has his doubts right now. We're not talking about predictions yet. We're not doing that until at least August. That's our rule here. I'm just I'm, I'm throwing that out there because we have seen Patrick Mahomes have the worst offensive line Still out there making miracle plays, trying to keep his team in a game against one of the best, if not the best, front seven in football against the Buccaneers. And then we saw him against the 49ers with two stout tackles and a solid up front offensive line win the Super Bowl. Patrick Holmes is only going to get better. And if you give him hit the best offensive line he's ever had with Travis Kelsey, with Tyreek Hill still in place, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who, by the way, I think is going to benefit the most out of all this, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be the one we got to watch out for to have the biggest jump. You're talking about an offense that an offense that literally cannot be stopped. If you can't get to Patrick Mahomes, who, by the way, is just as effective on the run, how in the literal hell are you going to keep up with the Chiefs? Mm. You look at the landscape of the Chiefs division right now, which, by the way, is slowly or rather quickly becoming the AFC East. Think about it. The, the, the AFC West is quickly becoming the AFC East where on an annual basis you know who's winning this division. With that and almost in lockstep, looking at the rest of the AFC right now as currently constructed, you're going to have to really come out with a strong-ass case, a convincing Bartleby from accepted type of speech to get me to believe there is a single team out there that's going to be able to beat a protected Patrick Mahomes. I don't see it. Not making my prediction yet. I don't even think, I don't even think that's really a prediction. I think that's just a fact, a factual statement. I think that's just something that anybody and everybody really knows deep down. It's just the word Chiefs fans is easier. It's easier for us to admit it. So unless you guys can combat that, I don't see a single team that is going to be able to keep up with a protected. 
Patrick Mahomes. And Creed Humphrey is just a simple addition to the ingredients that make that cake what it is. Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's what we need. We were we've got. We, that's the best part about going into this draft <clears throat> with the house money. You know, playing with house money and pretty much just drafting for need. You know what we needed. You know, we can argue about the linebacker position. Look. They have insider information that we don't, right? We're looking at a lot of this stuff from the outside looking in. There could be a, a, a more of a knee at linebacker than we realize. You know, we don't have depth at linebacker. I'll tell you that. Damian Wilson is our, our, our rotational guy, and I don't. I'm not a big fan of his. So what about Ben Neiman. Yeah, yeah. You know exactly. That's great. So th- th- that's my point. Like I, I think there's there's a bigger need, and I've said it from the it's been it's been the the eyesore of the defense for years now. Getting gashed in the middle by the running game. We haven't been able to stop get teams off the field when we know they're running on third down, and we could not get teams off the field. It very rarely happened all year last year, um, and we still won as many games. So if this guy could be a guy that can come in there and blast up the middle on third down and stuff running backs and help us our defense get off the field when we need them to. And it's and not allow teams to extend drives. That's only going to help us succeed more and win games. So I, I'm actually starting to like the Bolton pick, and he I think he just addressed the media a couple minutes ago, yeah. and you talked. So I'm interested to see what he he what he has to say and get to know his personality a little bit. But from the film I saw on him, man, I like him. He cracks. I like guy. I like linebackers that hit hard. I like linebackers that are dogs. That's why I love the Willie Gay picks. He he was, he seemed to be that guy too. So if we have a couple young up and coming linebacker dogs, especially when Hitchens is gone, these can be the guys that grow into. The, I love it. I love having homegrown linebackers, man. So I, I hope hopefully he can become something. And obviously Creed, man, I think Creed. I'm feeling confident the more and more I talk about him. I think he's going to be the guy starting the season. Um, he's a big kid. His the way his feet move on film is pretty crazy, man. I saw him start snaps from the from the middle and then immediately bounce outside and stop edge rushes from getting to his quarterback. So that's super impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't say much. I, I'm loving these first two picks, to be honest. Yeah, I'm on the same boat. Uh, I'm really liking these two picks. Uh, they address t- two big needs the Chiefs have, uh, and, and that's to me that's tackling and protecting Patrick Mahomes. Yep, and, and that is the two things they address in, the, in with their first two picks. Mm. Uh, I, I do think that Brett Beach did his homework this year. Uh, I do think these guys are, are, are going to be pretty good in the league. Uh, maybe Nick Bolton's going to take a little bit of time to, you know, to, uh, uh, to uh, adjust and uh, yeah, yeah, grow. Yeah. To grow in, in, into the player that the Chiefs are really hoping to get out of him. Uh, but I think Creed, Creed, I think he is that guy. I think yeah. he, uh, week one, I think he's going to be that guy. You know that 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 presses that that offensive line needs in in, in center. Uh, so I, I'm really stuck about these drives. Uh, yeah, this is the way to look at it. Real quick before we go into breaking into the mailbag, non exciting draft picks for the Chiefs are exciting to me. Yeah, like I obviously I want I wanted a tight end. I want a wide. I still do. I I, 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 mean, I think we will. Tommy yeah. Trimble's still out there. Brevin Jordan's still out yeah. there. A, a plethora of wide receivers are still out there. The Chiefs are still. You can I still I, trade up. You never know. You still trade. I up. still fully expect if the Chiefs stay at one forty four, I still expect them to take a wide receiver or a tight end. I think we're gonna go wide receiver but, or DB. But when hindsight, you think of the hindsight of this all, and I don't mean to like ignore the Nick Bolton pick. I think that's more of a long term uh, uh, pick. I mean, obviously, I think a Creed will be as well. But I think when it comes to immediate impact, it's the Creed. It's the Creed Humphrey 
uh, pick for me that I have to focus on more. Of course, that was the bigger need. Because it's all about protecting Mahomes. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't mean to simplify it and say that, okay, Chiefs are fixed. There's no issues now. They still have certain issues. They still need to add wide receiver depth. They'll still need to add tight end depth. I'd like to see them add a defensive back sometime in this draft. Sure. I expect they're going to they're gonna sign Brashad Breeland back. He has zero market. Come back to Kansas City. Win another motherfucking Lombardi. Why not? It's all about, again, the non-sexy picks. We talked about this last draft, about the meat and potatoes. When you have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and all the pieces in place, you fill the, pe- the the spots where you don't – it's not sexy. They say, they literally say that in the profile of Creed Humphrey. Yeah. He's not this star. He's not this flamboyant character. He's this bring-his-lunch-pail-to-work kind of guy. The yes. cliches, yeah. all the cliches. Yeah. I want the cliches. I want cliches. I want the 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 big old chubby offensive line. I want the fatties on this offensive line. Clay, our, our producer Clay Winner just messaged me. He goes, I can't believe how many fatties we have on this offensive line. I want that. What did we literally talk about this offseason? Fit. We envied the Raiders offensive line. We've envied the Colts offensive line. We've envied the Saints offensive line. The Chiefs have that type of offensive line now. I told what did I say, guys? I got laughed at this. I got mocked about this. I don't give a shit because it's coming into fruition. You cannot replicate the 2003 offensive line the Chiefs had. That's one of the greatest offensive lines to ever be created, ever. But I said the Chiefs need to do their best to build their own replica of that offensive line for Patrick Mahomes. Because if you can do that for Trent Green, you got to do that for Mahomes. And that is exactly what the Chiefs have now done. Yeah. Chiefs fans better be excited about this. And the thing I love about this – this O-line now is the mixture of veterans and young bucks. Yeah. I love the Kyle Long, Joe Tooney, the veterans, the guys that have won a lot in their careers and have been very consistent so far in their careers. Obviously, one's played a little longer than the other. Joe Tooney still being a younger guy, but has had a lot of success in his young career. The combination of that and these young guys that are going to be growing with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I love the passing of the torch kind of mindset that we're looking at here. The, the combination of that in the locker room is just so good for growth, man. I, I'm so I'm so stoked to see how this O line, you know, grows as the season goes on. Beach season, motherfuckers. Let's go. We got to get to you, people. It is time for the Monday mailbag. We'll go back to that after this. KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at KC Hemp Co. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. It is time for the Monday mailbag. I'm just kidding. It's Scott Staff for a second. He, just, he jumped in. Scott's in the way. It's time for the Monday mailbag. Sorry, guys. Creed, Creed on the mind. I apologize. We do this each and every week where we give you, the listening audience, the viewing audience, an opportunity to take over the show for an entire segment. Whatever it is you guys are wanting to talk about, hopefully it's about Creed. Um, if not, it'll be my sacrifice to not have to talk about it for at least a few more minutes. But nevertheless, it is your time to take over the show. Eddie, what is in the Monday mailbag? First question comes from Shaggy Shane, and I think uh, we're reading it a little too late. It's never too late for Shaggy. Uh, his question is, the Chiefs currently have two second-round draft picks as, a, as of today for Friday, five days before you go on air. Uh, do you want the Chiefs to stand pat and select the two best players available, or do you want them to trade up? 
I, I was okay. Like now that it's still, I feel like it's still okay to talk about because we can reflect. Okay. I would have been totally okay with the Chiefs trading up because I like aggressiveness, and, and Brett Veach is an aggressive GM. Like I said, he, he they've had one first round pick in four years, and that first round pick was a running back. It's an extremely unpopular pick. It's aggressive. It's something Brett Veach does. So I would have been okay with it. But again, you have to hit. You have to get the right guy if you're going to trade up. Now that we know they didn't, they did stand pat. I think overall the Chiefs did an incredible job with these two picks. It's obviously yet to be seen. It's obviously, you know, there's a lot to go into this. We don't know what, how these guys will pan out. It's a crapshoot. That's why the draft is, it'll literally drive you crazy. It's like girl interrupted in this bitch. The point is, is that we, I think the Chiefs got two guys that are going to contribute more more on Creed's side uh, uh, right now as opposed to Bolton. But I think both of these guys have a very strong chance of being long-term solutions at their positions. Repeat the question again for me. All right. The question is, uh, the Chiefs currently have two second-round draft picks as of today for Friday, uh, five days before you go on there. Do you want the Chiefs to stand pat and select the two best players available, or do you want them to trade up? I mean, obviously, we know what we know now, but yeah, um, I love what they did. Obviously, knowing the result, I love what they did now, and I still think they could trade up, but I, I predicted them to trade up in the third round, which I hope they do. But at the same time, if they don't, I, I look, man, uh, we've had the most success we've ever experienced as Chiefs fans with the regime that's at that, that's at hand right now, that's in charge with the show that's what they're running right now. So I have nothing but faith in Brett Veach and Andy Reid and 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 the way that the direction that they're going and obviously knowing the picks that we have now so far, um, I couldn't be more happy right now at the moment. So um, knowing Brett Veach, it's a, it's, it's a, it'll be a strange draft if we don't trade up at least once, right? Cause just his, his aggressive mentality, the way he goes about it. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a wild, wild West drafter. That's kind of how he does it. Um, love or hate his picks. It's, he's very aggressive with the guys that he likes. So um I, I, as far as trading up, <clears throat> like I said, I would like to see them trade up into the third and get and grab a guy, grab maybe a DB. <clears throat> I would like to see some more de- defensive back depth for this defense because um, I still think we have moves to make. We I don't really trust our DBs entirely. I think this system, I think Spag's system is he's really good at polishing turds at times, making guys look better than they really are. And I want another. I love Jerry Steed. I think he's a true star in this defense. But I would love to see him go grab another versatile guy like him. That would get rotate another rotational guy that could possibly be a you know a day one starter like Lajarius, I think possibly could be heading into this next season. Lord Jarius. Lord Jarius. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Sir. <clears throat> but yeah, put I mean the, put um, the spec on his name. <laughs> I, I, I do I, I mean every year I expect Veach to trade up once. So I, I it could be in this later these later rounds. It could be in this third round. Who knows? But as far as us knowing what we know now, I think Veach is doing his damn thing, man. And I could be more proud. So all right. Next question uh, comes from Nick Athan. Uh, when are you guys? Uh, when are you going to have the old men on your show? Question mark. Starting mine up again in June. Would you would enjoy having you on as a guest? Enjoy the shows. Cheers, Nick. Thanks a lot for the support, man. I would love. Yeah, no, not a problem. If you ever want me on the show, just let me know, man. I would. I would gladly do that for old times' sake, for sure, man. We go way, way back. Uh, next question, Johnny Couch. Holy shit. Hey, by the way, 
Donnie. Donnie took a little sabbatical on us. I know. He was oh, Donnie. Shit, was I just realized he, what name I said. He took a he took <laughs> a sabbatical. Yeah, Donnie was Gani. That's correct. <laughs> we had Scrawny wow. the show Hughley on, and now we have Donnie back. <laughs> Donnie was Gani. What's up, <laughs> Donnie? It's happy good to have you back, boy. Donnie's my favorite guy now since Billy Hodge. Yeah, so Bill Hodge yeah, turned Donnie. back and he went turncoat. Donnie. <laughs> he went rogue on me. So Donnie Cat, you, you the new Donnie. You're it's the safe to say player. it's been a while. It's been a while. Now that we're in the butt rock phase of the night, you know, <laughs> it's been a while. Next is Seether. Or uh, coming from the lips of an angel. Oh, we just play the whole Rolodex right now. Let's just roll. Shane's probably dying it's laughing right now. Butt cherry. Sorry, Shaggy. We're... <laughs> Shaggy's like singing these songs like masterfully, like hitting the keys and everything, yeah. like you know, falsettos and stuff. His hair, his hair grows back out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> he only does that when he's in the car driving. His hair comes out. <laughs> he's got a wig. He's got a wig ready to go. I know he does. What's up, Donnie? All right, man. Uh, it says hello, guys. Been a while, hasn't it? Huh? It's been a while. But anyways, how has your guys' week been? Great now. (laughs) Now that we got Donnie Couch back. I'm so happy you're here, Donnie. (laughs) And are you surprised with how low Duffy's ERA has been for the Royals? Oh, we get a Royal question. All right, sweet. Um, Yes, I'm actually not surprised because of the fact that Duffy is on the contract here. Our our guy that we miss every single day, Therese said it famously, man. We always talk about it. Contract year is undefeated. That that goes across the board, not just in football. That goes basketball and baseball. Prove it years. Danny Duffy is uh, going to be 33 if he isn't already, which means that's at the tail end of your prime as a pitcher in the league in most cases. Duffy is a left-handed pitcher. When he's on fire, he gets on fire. It does not surprise me because we've seen Duffy do it before. The only thing that's going to surprise me is if Duffy does this for longer than 180 innings in a season because he's never gone beyond that. Yeah. So he needs to get to that 200-inning mark. If he does that, I think he's going to be literally buried a role, as he's always said he wants to be. Yeah, we've, we've definitely seen Danny. I'm a big fan of Danny Duffy. I like him as a person, and I like him as a player. But he, we've also seen him go through these hot streaks numerous times. In the last couple of seasons, he's always had up and down. He's had peaks and valleys, which, honestly, if we're being real, that's kind of the life of a pitcher, though. Most it's Unless you're an extremely elite talent pitcher you're you never like it's hard to be that that good that consistent it's like being a comedian you can't yeah, stay on top forever well, you know I mean, there's I mean? just so much hitting talent in the, in the league man it's hard to to, to be and they get a book on you yeah. they get a book on you. yeah he's, i mean but him being a lefty he does have advantages there um but yeah i mean when this guy hits hot streaks and hits his stride he, he's one of the best I, I, for being honest he's he has very very good hot streaks so i, I hope for him um, this 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 contract year fire under his ass. Hopefully, it continues because it's only contributing more to the Royals' success. Um, the Royals' offense has been doing really really well. Um, so if he can you know combat that or, you know counter that the offense with you know continuing the, our our defensive side with the pitching, it's only going to lead to the success of the first place Royals. So more power to him, man. Cool. All right, Donnie Couch. Question number two. Oh shit. Double whammy. We didn't get him for like five months, and now we're getting multiple questions. I feel spoiled. I should pay for this kind of action. Do you think Chiefs still go center round two? You know, I'm going to say probably. I think there's a strong indication. There's a good guy at OU. Yeah. Yeah. Keep him in mind. I think his first name is Creed. I don't know. All right. And then we have uh, Billy Holmes. All right. (laughs) <laughs> who's that? Who's who's next, Eddie? Hello, front tire, back tire, and kickstand. <laughs> God damn! Dude, we all became a piece of a car. <laughs> what the hell? 
I'm a kickstand. Oh, you're a okay, I guess a kickstand. Oh, that's a motorcycle. We're motorcycles. Sweet, dude. We're a motorcycle. Badass. Yeah. We're not Kawasaki, are we? I hope not. Yeah. Do you think it's weird that Eric Bieniemy hasn't signed a contract yet? A contract yet with summer workouts around the corner. And Lance, if I'm right, Eddie did pick against the Chiefs multiple times last year. Yes, I did. <laughs> and they lost twice. Three times if you count Super Bowl. So. Yeah. Are you are you guys done over there? Okay, am I gonna answer? <laughs> you and Billy, you having a little interaction, a one sided interaction. Uh, this is like the clap back right here. You know what I mean? You guys are like Eminem and MGK over here, like you know, body bagging each other. Um, look, please just don't go to punk rock, Eddie. If you're MGK, are you MGK or Eminem on this? Eddie's full name is Clarence. <laughs> I'm John. Oh this. God, Eddie does look like a Clarence. <laughs> uh, okay, let me let me answer this question as honestly as I possibly can. No, I am not worried. I have. I have no – just like with Andy Reid and, and, you know, there was the conspiracy theories about him not being around and people were concerned as to whether he was going to be the coach anymore. I have the same amount of worry as I had about that. Zero. I believe Eric Bieniemy because of the fact that he had an entire year where he was not with his son, he did not spend time with his family. He was living in a hotel because of COVID. He was fearful because his son has a, a, a health issue. He didn't want to put his son at risk, so he literally stayed away from his family. I can't imagine how difficult that would be for a man. How difficult that'd be for anybody, for a father, for a mother, for anybody. How long, like how t- how difficult it would be to do your job to the best of your abilities when you don't get to go home to your family. I, I couldn't imagine that. So it's depressing. I would imagine. I'm not speaking for Eric because I don't have like any actual information on this. Yeah. But I'm imagining he's been taking this time to go and be with his family, and he knew I'm not going anywhere because I haven't gotten a head coaching job, and I wouldn't go anywhere else other than to be a head coach somewhere. So he is going to stay in Kansas City for the foreseeable future until he inevitably does finally get that head coaching job somewhere. That's what's going to happen. He's going to get an extension. He's going to... The Chiefs are figuring this all out. you got to remember, guys, this offseason, the NFL offseason is very long. We still got three months until we're even in training camp, like full-fledged training camp. So any time within the next 12 weeks, we can get this announcement. So I'm taking it steady. I'm taking it slow. I'm not worried about it. He is going to be the Chiefs OC this season unless something unforeseen happens where a team fires their coach before the season and they want Eric Bieniemy. Other than that, he's going to be the OC for the Chiefs this year. Yeah, and where is it, what is his best option and chance to build the best resume possible to have a best chance of becoming a head coach in his, in his you know coaching career? It's in Kansas City. It's with Patrick Mahomes. It's with Andy Reid. So I think I mean it is. I will say it is strange how quiet it's been, how quiet he's been, how how we've heard literally nothing about him. Um, but at the same time, I don't. I think I think us as Chiefs fans are just overthinking it because we don't have we we are seriously so limited on our worries. With how good this team is, how good our coach is, and how, like looking for yeah, him. we have to go find problems now. That's like that's where we're at. We have to worry about our OC. That's our that's our life as Chiefs fans. We don't have to worry about who our quarterback is. Like a healthy is. relationship. We don't have to You're worry about yeah. me. We don't have to worry Why about having you? elite offensive weapons. We don't have to worry about having an elite you know defensive weapons. We don't have to we don't have to worry about any of those things. We have to worry about if our OC is going to be back next year. That's not a true worry. He's going to be back there. We've heard. I know no news. In my mind, no news is good news. There's no bad news out there, right? So there's no there's no reports of him having beef with anybody in the lot in, in the locker room or anything like that. He's a loved guy. He's a fan favorite. Him and Reed, Coach Reed, couldn't be more close. He's a beloved guy in this entire uh, uh, front office and, and and locker room. So no doubt in my mind, he's going to be back. He's a culture guy. 
I'm just adding this in there. You said uh, the uh, being back with the Chiefs will build his resume to get that head coaching job. Do you think that because it is the Chiefs and because a lot of people see it as uh, pretty much a cheat code, do you think that's affecting him from getting a head coaching job? Because other people might see, well, I mean, look at the roster you have. Of course you're going to win. Did that did that hurt Josh McDaniels from getting the Colts and or, Broncos or jobs? Quick Kingsbury, did that? Yeah, did, did NFL it, coach. I mean, did it stop Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson from getting jobs before Eric Bieniemy? No. If anything, that actually that that brings it up. That actually brings your winning chances is up, everything, which has dude. made this even more confusing as to why Eric Bieniemy. That's why the whole race situation or theory has come to play so much. Because what other reason is there? He has proven himself yeah. time and time again. He's he's actually been a longer tenured OC now than Matt Nagy or Doug Peterson for the Chiefs. So it's what are we doing at this point? It's it's now gotten to that place where it's like, okay, what is left to be proven here? What other because there are guys that have never been offensive coordinators that are currently coaches in the league. Have you ever heard of uh, John Harbaugh? He was a special teams coach who was not an offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator. Andy Reid himself was never a coordinator. And became a head coach in 1999 for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a positions coach. That happens all the time. All the time. So what the hell is the reason for Eric Bieniemy not getting a head coach? We can we can go on and on and on and on about this. The fact is, there is no reason left. It's just going to come down to the right team. Unfortunately, I'm afraid the Broncos are going to hire Eric Bieniemy next season after Vic Fangio gets fired. Oof, that's a possibility. Jeez. All right, uh, Billy, fuck again. All right, his second question... <laughs> Is how many running backs do we need? <laughs> the way I see it is like this. Okay, I, I'm glad this is brought up because I'm going to touch on this in, in in probably the next freelancing episode. With Damian Williams, I know people are upset about that. You got to let it go because with running backs in this league, it's a revolving door. You have to understand, guys. You do need depth at running back. Whether you're a pass first team, especially in this offense, what kind of whatever offense you have, you need to have depth at running back because running backs get hurt. And you got to have players that are effective at that position. The Chiefs just took a first-round pick running back, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He still got hurt, yep. missed a few games this last season. I think there was three total. He missed three games this last season. You needed Darrell Williams to be there and fill yep. in. Filled in great. He filled in great. But you know what? To me, running backs, backup running backs, depth running backs are a lot like um, supporting actors in a big-time movie or series. They play a role, they have a story arc, and then they're gone. That's what I look at running backs like. You can't get attached to these guys at that position because you know that is a constant fluid position. You get a guy here for a couple of years, he's gone. You get a guy for a couple more years, he's gone. You get a guy for eight games, he's gone. That's that. Kind of, you have to have very limited loyalty when it comes to running back. And why you ask the question about why they need so many running backs because that very same reason. Because Darren Williams coming into this season right now, ton, big time fan favorite. People love him. He's been effective. For all we know, this will be his last season with the Chiefs. For all we know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire won't get out of his rookie deal with the Chiefs. We don't know. All we do know is what we have right now. Chiefs are adding depth because they can. It harms no one and nothing. Yeah, I, I, I like I like this. The, he's probably referring to the Jerick McKinney signing, why we picked him up. Uh, I think uh, Jerick McKinnon was actually <clears throat> coming into the draft and coming out of college. He was a, an athletic freak. He's an undersized guy, but he's he's honestly like the perfect kind of running. But he's a, he's a similar to Clyde. He's, he's a smaller guy, not as thick as Clyde, but he's very, very – 
Uh, he's going to be a camp body at this point, but I, I do think he's a guy that could make the roster. Um, he's dealt with some injuries, but he's also been a part of some really good Mike Zimmer offenses, and he's coming out of Kyle Shanahan's offense. Similar offenses to how we do. Very, very uh, um, running back centric in the passing game and running game. And, and, and you know, um, so I, he fits the kind of scheme that schematically him, his skill set fits our offense. So I think um, having depth in the running back position in this offense specifically is important. It's key um, because you we, we can go through, you know, we've seen, like you said, Clyde got hurt last year. You never know, man. Running backs get banged up. Um, it's never a, a, a bad thing to have an abundance amount of running back depth. So he's a good bounce back type of, he's, he's like, he's like a, you know, I, like I said, I even mentioned it on Facebook earlier today with Shaggy on there. Um, I think he's a guy that can come in and compete with D train as that, you know, that, um, that third string running back guy that could be, you know, a special teamer as well. I, you know, it's, I wouldn't even think too much into it. I, I mean, if we're, if we're upset about having too much depth or, or a, an abundance amount of depth at running back, I think we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot here. Yeah, that's it. All right. Good Monday mailbag, guys. We appreciate it every week. Don't be shy. We know we got a lot of new viewers, a lot of new people in the group and on Twitter. We've been getting a ton of reaction. Hit us up on here. Leave us voice messages. We love those as well. In the meantime, one more order of business to finish out this incredible draft night on the Spoken Podcast. Guys, what is it called? Hold this out! I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> Le him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh pulsating L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. It's time to hold this L. What we do each and every week is we like to end off the show and wrap it all up with a little bit of L action. Whoever in the world of sports holds an L, whether it's friendly or not friendly in the world of sports, we promise you they deserve it. So, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who is holding the L for you this week? Is it F1? It is not. Oh, yeah. It's not related to F1 at all. (laughs) I'm going to give it to FC Barcelona uh, from Spain. Uh... There has been 33 games played uh, in the season, uh, which uh, has 38 matches total. So there's five games left. They were a game behind uh, from Atletico Madrid, which is in first place, and there were only two points away from uh, tying. So uh, from tying uh, Atletico Madrid. So if they were to win, they would have won. Uh, to 74 points, one point clear from Atletico Madrid. The reason I'm giving them, giving them, giving them this L, it's because this this week they had an opportunity to to do just that, to just win. They were going up against, they were going up against. Uh, let's see, 
Granada, which is eighth place. I mean, they've been a decent team in, in, in the league. I mean, mid-table. Uh, so nothing surprising there. But this was a must-win for Barcelona if they wanted uh, to take the lead in the in the, in the the standings and have a, a better shot at winning the championship. Obviously, there's still five games left. There's still a chance for them to to win. But this was the opportunity, the perfect opportunity for them to take the lead and you know, control their own destiny. Now they have to depend on Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid to not win and for them to pretty much win out. So, a golden opportunity, a golden ticket, give it to Barcelona. They were leading at the half, 1-0. And then second half came along and uh, they decided to not play. They just shit at the bed. They lost two to one, and now they're stuck in third place. And now they're not no longer a game behind. They are all played thirty three matches now. So for that reason, Barcelona, you're gonna have to do me a favor and hold this L. Trevor Twidwell, who's holding L for you this week, my man? I was torn on what L I wanted to give. I was, I was thinking about going to Doctor J here, um, but I decided to go with the, the recent news with the the Aaron Rodgers fiasco. Um, I know nothing's set in stone yet, but I think things are starting to trend to look. <laughs> Only the Packers, man, would be able to piss off, royally piss off two Hall of Fame MVP quarterbacks, Super Bowl winning quarterbacks within 20 or 20 years, a 15 year span. Like it's, it's just crazy to me, man. Like the, 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 the negligence of this franchise with the luck they've had at the quarterback, the most important position in football, the negligence they've had in providing weapons and providing a winning roster for these quarterbacks. It's unbelievable. I mean, I know the Brett Favre situation was a little bit different because <clears throat> it was a lot of bit different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they had, a, he, he, obviously, he was running his mouth a whole lot more than Aaron Rodgers was, well, at least in, in feuds. And with, retiring with, and unretiring. Right, <laughs> right. And, 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 but they also had a young, up and coming superstar in Aaron Rodgers blooming behind him and was ready to go. <clears throat> So this situation is just different in my mind because not only is Aaron Rodgers the reigning MVP at the moment, had one of it maybe his best year as a professional in, in the sport last year. He was incredible with really only having one true receiver to throw the football to. Um, it's just crazy, man. To me, like with what how they're squandering the, the negotiations and 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 Aaron Rodgers having to publicly come out and say, you know, just with the negligence and the, and their drafting abilities, and them drafting supposedly his backup last year, him balling out last year, in the midst of all that drama. Uh, granted, they failed in the playoffs, but and then the decision making with the, you know with them trying to kick the, the the field goal instead of going for it on that critical fourth down that could have won them the game, not trusting Aaron Rodgers and what he's always been capable of doing and making miracle plays. Um, there's just such a they, they created such a you know a, a grievance between the two parties, man, and it's it's just why would you not cater to the guy that has been the successful the, the the main piece of what you've been as a franchise this entire time? Why would you not cater to the needs of him instead of their just? I don't even know honestly. I don't even know what their vision is. Do they think if they think Jordan Love is the guy? Why would you? Why would you have stuck around with Aaron Rodgers? Why would you have given them that big contract? It's just it's the, the the franchise is just so horribly ran. They they've literally been gassed on luck. The entire existence of the Green Bay Packers franchise has been 
on the luck lucky draw that is they they've managed to have two massively talented quarterbacks for you know 20 plus 25 plus seasons um yeah it's just it's just rough it's it's looking like Aaron like I said nothing's set in stone yet so this L is kind of up in the air still but I think we all can kind of read the writing on the wall it looks like Aaron Rodgers is winning out he's he, him and his agent have both vocalized it um and never as once as Aaron Rodgers ever been that guy to really come out and publicly say that he wants out uh, and then the, obviously the GM came out today and said that they're not trading Aaron Rodgers, which they do have that power to say no. But there's a lot of leverage battle going on here between the quarterback and what he could do if he comes in. Like you said, he can come in week 12 and get paid for the whole year. Yep. Um, so he could screw them if he really, really wanted to. But me knowing Aaron Rodgers, when he says something, he's, he's he is a man of his word. He, he When he says something, he's very articulate in the way he, and he very thoughtful before he says things. He doesn't just speak out of his ass. Yeah, he can be arrogant. Yeah, he can be a prick. Yeah, he can be very passive aggressive and 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 stoic the way he delivers things. He can be very passive, but at the same time, the guy always usually sticks to his word and is very about what he is about. So when Aaron Rodgers is probably coming out and being you know the legend of Green Bay that he is, being Green Bay, coming out and saying that, man, that says a lot about the franchise and how they've completely squandered the relationship with him. And this is going to obviously, obviously squander a lot of the relationships with the fans. And as you know, Green Bay is up, obviously owned by different shareholders within the fan base. So that if you piss off that, you're going to piss off a lot of funding. You're going to piss off a lot of things that are going into the franchise itself. Me being a diehard Aaron Rodgers fan, I feel bad for the guy. Man, I was very pissed off when they took Jordan Love. I felt like that was a smack in the face after they just gave him that, that, that big contract. <clears throat> it didn't make any sense to me, right? So... <clears throat> And now, now they're going to come out and say they're not trading Aaron Rodgers, which would make no sense. If you believe that much in Jordan Love, this would be his second year to go in. Why not go with the kid? Why not trade Aaron Rodgers, get what you can for him, and go with your future, the guy that you drafted last year to be the replacement for Aaron Rodgers? It's just, man, it's it's it, if you need an example of how to poorly run a franchise with great talent, it's that. So for that right now, I think the writing is on the wall. I do believe Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone. I think he's got a lot of different suitors he can land. Uh, a lot of teams will be chomping at the bit to get him. Uh, he's obviously still got a lot of football being uh, football in him being the reigning MVP of last year. Absolutely balled out. If he lands on a better roster, who knows what he can do. Um, so for that, Green Bay Packer, entire corporation right now, you guys got to do me a favor. and Hold this L. L. Well, since you didn't go with the Dr. J one, I'm definitely going go to. Go for it. I live there. Um, I, this, I've had enough, man. Uh, look. You see me try to save face. I sit, I, I sit here and I listen to a lot of people. D- look. We can have difference of opinion when it comes to LeBron James. That's okay. A lot of people are wrong, but I'll respect it because I know that a lot of people out there do their diligence and do their homework and have a respectable take as to why they feel the way they feel about LeBron James. But enough's enough, man. I'm, I'm sick of the disrespect. And, old, and, 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 and the reason why this one's pissing me off is because it's someone who is historically known. He's an icon. He's a figure. He was Michael Jordan before Michael Jordan. Dr. J., Dr. J, Julius Irving, uh, this last week uh, came out, and I'm gonna, I'm just going to read you guys a little bit of this, but basically it's about where Dr. J doesn't or does rather have LeBron James when it comes to all-time great players. Cue your old – this is from CBS, by the way, CBS NBA. Cue your old man yells at cloud memes because yet another old NBA legend has fired off a take that doesn't exactly paint the modern game in the best light. Former in a, for a, former in a Philadelphia 76 record, Julius Irving appeared on Chris Haynes' posted up podcast. By the way, Chris Haynes gets a lot 
of hot takes, man. And picked his all-time team and surprisingly, unsurprisingly, leaned heavily on players from previous generations. Yawn. His first team consisted of Jerry West, Oscar Robinson, Elgin Baylor, Will Chamberlain, and Bill Russell. All five of those players retired by 1974, when Urban was still in the ABA. His second team gets slightly more modern, but not by much. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Malone lasted longest out of the group as retired in 2004. You might have noticed that one rather conspicuous absence at no point did Irvin list Los Angeles star LeBron James. To that, he offered a somewhat perplexing explanation. Quote, when you look at LeBron and anybody he sort of picks with him, he played with so many guys. He's the guy who has led the charge in terms of super teams being put together. Where he put together the team in Miami, he put together that team in Cleveland as well, and put together a team in Los Angeles. So he can pick his own team. I'm not going to pick his team. I'm not saying nothing bad about LeBron, end quote. I agree. So I'm I'm not going to read this article anymore. I'm going to let my guy who continues to just state facts, whether they like him or not. My guy Nick Wright was on the herd this week because he was asked this question about Julius Irving. So Nick's going to go ahead and take Dr. Dre to the woodshed. Listen, everyone belly up to their television is a quick little history lesson on the NBA. On today, today is actually the 55th anniversary of the Boston Celtics winning their eighth consecutive title of the 1960s. So me thinks the 1960s had a super team because the team peeled off eight in a row. What about the 70s? Well, Oscar Robertson, one of the greatest players ever, he ends up joining up with Lou Alcindor, soon to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to form arguably the greatest team ever. The very next year, Elgin Baylor, who'd never won a ring, Jerry West, who'd been to eight finals but never won a ring, and Wilt Chamberlain, who had somehow only won one ring, they all get together to form the 72 Lakers. Elgin gets hurt, doesn't matter, super-duper team. They win, I think, 33 in a row, and they win the title. Then the league's a little watered down because the ABA and NBA are competing for talent. In the ABA, Dr. J is annihilating it. The ABA folds. Dr. J instantly gets to an NBA Finals, scores 40 points in an elimination game of those finals, but his team isn't good enough. That's 1977. 1980, he gets back to the NBA Finals only to face the Los Angeles Lakers. They've got Kareem, they've got a guy named Jamal Wilkes, and a rookie named Magic Johnson. And nothing Dr. J does can be good enough, so he loses. The very next year, Dr. J is the best he's been in the NBA. He wins a league MVP. He gets to a Game 7 of the Conference Finals. They're playing a Boston Boston Celtics team that has Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, uh, Cedric Maxwell, tiny Nate Archibald, who is still good, and a rookie named Kevin McHale. Shockingly, the Sixers can't win that series. Goes to a Game 7. They lose by one. Not Dr. J's fault. The next year, Dr. J's still trying to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm the defending league MVP. Gets back to the Finals, and who's there? Those damn Lakers again. So what happens? The 1981 MVP, Dr. J., and the 1982 MVP, Moses Malone, they team up together on the 1983 Sixers. <laughs> and what happens? They form one of the greatest teams ever who almost sweeps the entire NBA yeah, playoffs yeah. and wins the title yep. to dethrone the previous super team Lakers and the soon-to-be super team Celtics that only predated the super teams of the Jordan, <laughs> Pippen, Rodman, Bulls, all of it. It's super team after super team after super team starting 55 years ago today to now. So we want to put that on LeBron because he orchestrated his team instead of having smoke-filled room general managers orchestrated. That's fine. But the history 
is not on my guy, Dr. J's side. No, you're, you're, I, I... Boy, that history stuff's quite a bitch, isn't it? You know, because a lot of times we like to we like to like look at history with certain goggles, like revisionist history. We like to pretend that history was different than what it actually was. And it's always ironic that it's the guys that talk the loudest, these old heads that talk the loudest, are the ones <laughs> that have all these skeletons in their closet, that have all these receipts. Charles Barkley is one of these loudmouths as well. I love Chuck, but Chuck's one of the biggest hypocrites in the world of sports. Always talking and bashing super teams when he literally forced his way to Houston to team up with Hakeem Olajuwon and Scottie Pippen and Did Clyde Le- Drexler. Did LeBron James ever team up with a fellow MVP? Another MVP? I want you go ahead and answer that one, Trev. No, that's be a, that'd be a no. Yeah. yeah. You know who has? KD. Dr. Dr. J. J. <laughs> Funny how that works. Uh, Will Chamberlain. Strange. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They all teamed up with, they all, they all no, up with former up with MVPs. No, never did. happened. Never LeBron's never done that. You know why? Because LeBron's been the best player on every team. I'm a, listen, the point, I'm, busy bring, being the, the the point I'm bringing up all this ah. is I'm sick and tired of this bullshit, man. It's been and, 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 from the beginning. I think it's bro. perfect that it's the night LeBron's coming back and he's going to win his fifth title this season. I think it's amazing uh, that these motherfuckers keep coming out and keep trying to go for his head, it's man. Fuel for the fire, and man. I guess when the crown is laying on his head and it has been on his head for 17 years, I guess the jealousy starts to really start to erode some of these motherfuckers' brain cells. So, Dr. J, all respect to you, bro. You're a legend, but you're also a dipshit. Do me a favor and hold this hell. It's, yeah, bro, that's so exhausting, man. He didn't win until he had another until he, he recruited another MVP to join every, him. And then he finally won, and then he wants to talk about LeBron having super teams. You don't want to believe you don't MVP to you, join you. Bro. You don't want to believe what, the, what Nick Wright just broke down. Broke down. Go and look it up. Google is yeah. one hell of a machine. It's crazy. You can find all this stuff yourself. Go research it. But instead of just believing these dipshits, they just want to say this stuff out of pure jealousy. Pure, it, it, and that's all it is. They're jealous of what he is and what he's done as an individual. It, it, I'm sick of it. I mean, he lost I, even that MJ on team we, too. We usually I don't, don't do that on this show. We usually just let people say what they say. Trevor and I know what we know. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't at matter. At this point, I'm just sick of it, man. When a guy like him and his profile and his magnitude to Dr. J is being that ignorant, I have well, to address yeah, it. When, you're fighting, when you're fighting facts with bias, you lose every time. So it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. This has been a fun night for the Chiefs. It's been a fun night for us because when it's a fun night for the Chiefs, it's fun for us here at the Spoken Podcast. I think the Chiefs did an incredible job, especially with Creed Humphrey. I'm a big fan of that. I think that's going to pay dividends big time. I'm I'm still out on Nick Bolton. I'm I'm hoping for the the best, but I'm preparing for whatever's to come with this one. I'm hoping that Nick Bolton, not related to Michael Bolton, Mm. I don't think. We'll see on that one. I'm I'm waiting to see what he does and what he brings to the table. I'm big on Creed Humphrey. I'm excited to see what the Chiefs do in round four. In the meantime, this has been a blast. Episode 114 has been a lot of fun, guys. For Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Windler, our producer, for the KCPN family. We're going to have more and more guests from the KCPN family as time goes on. Cannot wait. I am Lance Twidwell in the Spoken Studios for the Spoken Podcast. Episode 114 is done. We out of this bitch. See you next week. Later. See you. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to Spoken. I might actually stick around for a little bit.